Welcome to Dice in Mind, a podcast hosted by Brad Brown and Jason Kaufman to explore the intersection of life, games, science, music, philosophy, and creativity through interviews with leading creatives. All are welcome in this space. So this is the first time in Dyson Mind history that we're recording not from original locations. I'm at uh, Dyson Mind headquarters uh, just north of Orlando, Florida, our southern yeah. headquarters. No, I think you're in the annex. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> um, so um, we've had we've had a little bit of a, um, just a scheduling snafu just with me doing some traveling to mm-hmm. see family, but I'm down nothing here like now. Nothing like not running from the law, nothing like that. Nothing like that. No, nothing the only time that. I run is from the cops and two buffets. So that is 50% um, accurate. Yeah. (laughs) So let's start with a riddle. I come from a mine and get surrounded by wood. Everyone uses me. What am I? You come from a mine and are surrounded by wood. Everyone uses you. Give me a hint. And it's you, you get it's a rated G answer. Just be, I so assume that, yeah. that eliminates about eighty. All of my of ideas are gone yeah. now. Right? Yeah. I, I got. Um, I, I wasn't prepared. This is it's always surrounded by wood. The mine is always surrounded by no, wood. no, no. No. What, what comes out? Oh, of what the comes mind from is, the mine is always is always surrounded by wood. Can't be lead. Pencil lead. Yeah. Got oh, I got close. it. Yeah, right. you got it. Yeah. Nice. No, I was well thinking, done. but yeah, I mean, graphic. I didn't tell. Well, yeah. I didn't tell you I was gonna. Right. Do a, I just looked up earlier today unsolvable riddles or difficult riddles to solve, and I'm like, oh, well, I'll I figured it out, so way. it's not that hard. Yeah, yeah. No. and and meanwhile, we've lost most of our audience. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We went from five to two. <laughs> right. Sorry, Jim. Um, so, um, you know, there's a, on Jimmy Kimmel. Um, he used to every night would say sorry, something to the effect of. Every night he'd say, sorry, we couldn't get to Matt Damon. We'll get you next time. Matt was never on the show. That's right. So I got to find, I'm going to find someone that we can use at the end of episodes. Oh, I can tell you exactly who it is, but it's not going to get him on the show. Who? Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Okay, let's do it. That's what we'll do. Yeah. So, okay, well. Speaking of Star Trek. Yeah, let's get back on topic. We we have been extraordinarily lucky to meet and talk with folks that, are involved in the Trekverse, whether it's directly related to the series, mm-hmm. writers of the books, mm-hmm. um, writers and leaders in the RPG genre of the game. Yeah. Um, and all of them have been fascinated and fascinating. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever had anyone on before this episode who has written reference works for Trek. No. And so this week is is no different. We are very lucky that we've got um, Larry Nemechek joining us. I'm so I'm, fortunate. I am. I, I'm Larry. I'm still surprised you joined our little podcast and I'm so appreciative, um, that he did that for us. Um, fascinating discussion. I even threw him a little curveball there toward the end. Um, and let's see if people hear it and know what it is hmm. um, related to a related to one of his former geographic locations. Yes. But, yeah, I got a little sportsy for me at the end, but you guys are having Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because we were talking about sports and Jason just doesn't understand sports. I just listen. So, and, and he's just used it. to it when we say good sport. That's what he thinks sports is about. That's right. So, which you rarely hear anyway. I don't hear that often. Um, you know, I think, again, I, I say this all the time. You say this all the time. How fortunate we are to have um, 
such creative folks join us. And this is absolutely no exception. Rarely um, have I been so excited to talk to anyone. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you like, like you and I joke about this, but, but it's not atypical, not to out you again, publicly. It's not mm -hmm. atypical like that, that you'll say to me, like if we've got a bigger name on the podcast, like basically don't let you fanboy. Like you're really excited about this one because it's so fascinating. We joke, but, we joke about how we, we try really hard to not fanboy. Yeah, but on these this shows. is the second, I mean, like you said, Brad, we've had so many fascinating, lovely people on, but of 115 episodes, this is the second time I felt at risk of fanboying. I mean, I've been reading Larry's reference works since I was. I think I a know. Kid. Who the, I think I know what the first one is, but it was but, Nami. Oh, okay. It oh, was yeah. Nami Melvin. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. And, and yeah, we hung up, and you're like. Cool. right yeah exactly. i mean just because yeah. because of my musical stuff it's right it's and no, just... but that was both of us yeah but, um but i i was so uh i was so surprised that larry said yes especially when true to his humble nature we invited him and instead of ghosting us or saying no he's like are you sure you want me on aren't yeah. you a gaming podcast and it's like oh yes and in fact it was Larry who insisted we've got to at least talk a bit about gaming, even though he hasn't yeah. done it in a while. Um, yeah, this was just this was such a privilege to do. Mm -hmm. I, I I'm so excited. I I don't know if you if you have anything else, but it might be worthwhile just to head right over. Yeah, we we went a bit long. I mean, Larry yeah. was really giving of his time, so let's hop over. Author, interviewer, host, archivist, producer, voiceover, actor, and fan. Larry Nemechek has a background in news and theater, but it is Trekland where he's worked for over 25 years. A renowned Star Trek authority, Larry is the author of the best-selling classic Star Trek The Next Generation Companion and a regular convention guest worldwide, often referred to as Dr. Trek. Larry now brings his Trek insight, resources, and archives to the ultimate deep dive experience for Trek fans at Portal 47. This is one of those situations where we probably could have hit record probably about 20 minutes ago. A while ago, ago cause, right. Because yeah. we were talking about maps, Macs, and discs and stuff. We, we have, we're kindred spirits when it comes to technology. Oh, yeah. And we, I think we overlap a little when it comes to our interests in Star Trek. So Never heard of it. Yeah. yeah. Larry Nabachek, thank you for joining us tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, so much. We have been excited to talk with you for a while. We are so <laughs> appreciative of... Um, you um being able to join with us and talk all this tonight so well guys uh may i never would have thought that a uh podcast of your title would be <laughs> interested in somebody like me but um oh please but thanks i've been i've been i've been uh reassured that we you go far beyond that so but oh. i have some i had some gaming stuff i want a couple of points i wanted to make or, or tales more than points but anyway but thank you for having me this is this will be fun no uh, i, I yeah. we really appreciate it hey so here is the here is the broadest question I could probably ask of you. Uh -oh, duck. And that is um, your interest and in dive into the realm that is Star Trek. How did that start for you? Again, that's a broad one, I know. Yeah. Well, okay. Number one broad answer is I had way too many interests as a kid. 
and hobbies and thing, everything from just like history in general. And at least from the time I remember being in the third grade, fourth grade and starting to like read American history and being as bad a maps nerd as Sheldon is. Nice. Just knowing, you know, like, yeah, it's there's the states. And not only that, but like the world book and the map of the chunks of country. You know, now I would yep. have to go back and, and analyze it from who was the colonizer and who was the imperialist Seriously, and all yeah, that. This is true. But when you're just the simple map and here's the 13 colonies, here's the Northwest mm-hmm. Territory, and here's the Mexican Session, here's the Louisiana Purchase, and here's the Gadsden Purchase, and you know, all here's the Oregon Territory, all that stuff. Here's West Florida, here's East, all that stuff. I could like rattle that off and draw, I, I could draw maps, do stuff. And then, you know, and then, and then my dad was a World War II veteran, he was in Europe. Uh, Battle of the Bulge and all that, Patton's Army. My wow. mom was a little younger than him, but they were both that era. And I grew up, didn't talk a lot. Of, I mean, I was aware, but he he wasn't one of the clammed up mm-hmm. soldiers who never talked. But then he mm-hmm. didn't, also didn't sit around. I mean, it was probably closer to mom than other. But the older I the older I got, the more a little bit. Anyway, I was aware of it and it would come up occasionally. So I was aware that... Uh, that but just their their growing up time my mom like i said about 10 years younger than my dad but just the 20s mm-hmm. and the 30s and the 40s was very mm-hmm. close to me and um so it's like history yes but then that was a fine point but i you know presidents and all the now this stuff it's supposed to be nerdity i wish i was just that but then i also i guess when i was a kid i loved trains and somewhere along the way i became model railroader but also like nice. plastic models and model rocketry and I got the point where I would rather build the cool, like I did a Mercury, Mercury Titan or Mercury Redstone, Redstone but I never yeah. blew it because you put all that time into it. And it's just, it's balsa wood and toothpicks and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, well, if I fly it, it might get, even with the parachute, it might get banged up. So it's like, mm-hmm. I never, I almost never flew my rockets, but they were, and I built up one of those like six foot Apollo Saturn five, Nice. Uh, not flying, oh. but there was a flying, but I built one yeah. Rebel. Wow. Like came out with right about the time of Apollo 11 and the sure. flights. And they were something insane. Like it was like a $20 plastic model, which was like, you know, a millionaire's kit or something. But my right. mom got it for me for Christmas and I built it. And anyway, I looked at it for the first time in about 20 years. I was at my brother's and they rescued stuff out of my dad's house. And I was like, oh my God, it was almost like a mode. It was like Picard and Data touching the Phoenix or something. Oh, but anyway, awesome. my point here is I had like all these interests and um and i did well enough in school did good in school and uh in ninth grade my ninth grades that's the that's the background the specific is i knew about this show with a guy with ears i didn't control the tv my older brother was 10 years older i remember lost in space i remember yeah. tons of tv that we watched i vaguely remember a space show about a guy with ears but we never watched it and <laughs> then in ninth grade um, Mrs. Pollard, whose name is now Kincaid, but Mrs. Pollard, uh, who's, I didn't realize had the same birthday as me. Mm. Um, one day, some, some of the other class, you know, class pets, they were sitting around goofing. She had two girls at her desk and they were sitting around giggling. And I walked by and I said, what are you all laughing about? And she said, I, what are you supposed to be? And I looked and they all had like blue dots, like a single, like they'd taken a blue Sharpie or a blue pen and just done that. Yeah. Like, what are you all doing? And they and she goes, Oh, Larry, we're Hawkins. And I said, What? And she goes, We're Hawkins. And I go, What? And she's then she goes, And you know the Hawkins? The Hawkins were the little short people at the beginning of Mirror Mirror that Kurt oh. and Kura 
Oh my God. Uh, and McCoy and Scotty were beaming down to sea and they wouldn't give up their dilithium because it would just add to their cold war with the cooling. And so Kirk goes back empty handed and then they have the ion storm, the transporter thing. And then in the mirror universe, they, they blow up or, or Spock keeps them from um, keeps mirror Kirk from killing the Hawkins. Right. Anyway, but the Hawkins all had a blue dot in their forehead. So this is like obscure seventies yeah. era goof off in class teacher and some teacher's pet anyway so she said when i said i didn't know what the hawkins were five times she finally said oh larry don't tell me you don't know star trek <laughs> and i'm like oh I've, and then i was like defensive well i've i've heard of it is that the sh i literally said i think is that the one with the guy with the pointed ears mm. And she goes like, you go home today, like, because after school, right? she goes like, you go home today after school, you go home today and watch that at four on Channel 5. And I'm like, okay. But before I did, some weird thing in my brain, it was it was still on Saturday morning on NBC, Saturday morning, the animated. And I was like, I'm going to watch the animated. This made sense to me for some reason. I'm going to watch the animated first. And then if I like it, then I'll watch yeah. the live which makes no sense because normally you would go, well, the, the, the animation might be some like watered down bastardized version of what, you know, mm -hmm. like the Brady kids was nowhere near as deep <laughs> as the Brady bunch, you know? Anyway, wow. I did. So I think, I don't exactly remember what the first Star Trek I watched, but I'm sure it must've been an animated. I think it was uh, beyond the farthest star with the, with the pod. Anyway. So after that, I went, okay, and started watching after school every day. Mm -hmm. And within two or three weeks, I was like hooked. Yeah. And I just remembered the thing that got me. It was all entertaining, the characters, the plots. I could tell it was saying it didn't hit you over the head then. Right. But I mean, to me anyway. But uh, the thing that got me was just the now we have all the buzzwords, right? To me, the thing was world building. And right. how that ship was just awesome and how, but how they, they had the day to day to day to day, things were the same. I mean, you know, they all, the, I remember getting an argument with a couple of friends at school and when the tech manual came out and I finally got one long story there, but I remember going into school and going, ha ha, telling Mike and Cliff, ha ha, look, see the badges do match the shirt color. Nice. I mean, that's how, but, but that times a hundred was, I was just like, oh my God. And and then when the yeah. first, I got the making of Star Trek book, I think, um, I can't remember which came first, the tech manual, but anyway, when you, when I started diving in and going, oh, that's what it was. The tech manual was fun and filled in a lot of gaps, but mm -hmm. had its own gaps. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, this needs to be like, where are there other pages? But it was amazing. And then I found the blueprints and that was amazing. And then I found the making of Star Trek and I got the book and I'm reading it. And I was, and my next thought was, oh my God, they planned all this. <laughs> like they planned it out, planned it, you know? And that was just that. So that's, that's what it was for me. And it wasn't until, you know, and I found a club in Oklahoma city. I was South of Norman and, you know, like baby step stuff. And it was more like on your own. And the first time a friend of mine, the first time Dean Lindsay took me to a comic store nostalgia shop in Norman. And it was the week that semi-professional Trek magazine had McCoy on the cover and the giant poster book had McCoy on the cover with props, medical props inside and close-ups and the medical. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it wasn't until I started 
few years later in college by then and high school college and and started reading Interstat, which was a letter of comment zine where they used to take, you know, before Internet. Yeah. And instead of finding pen pals, something that was a little faster was people subscribe to this. Basically, it was a glorified letters column, but it was a little zine, like a little digest size zine. Uh, Terry Meyer in Kansas City did edit it. She took everybody's letters, retyped them in the same, retyped them as in a typewriter on yeah. format. This is the 70s into the 80s, into the 90s. And then the internet finally, social right. media and everything, uh, email finally you know, made it moot. But she would do, and there were some columns. There was one uh, where they would take things from the trades where you learn how trades, you know, uh, uh, somebody was ankled or something, you know, B.O. Bafo, whatever. Anyway, Hollywood talk in yeah. the trade numbers oh, cool. was there. And then a humor column and some other stuff. But that was where I first saw like national fandom talking. And it was 95% women all talking about Spock and Vulcans, <laughs> you know, the zine, the zine world. And that was the dominant thing in Trek. And I will stop. I'll take a breath here. But that's where. I realized that I would say, hey, I jumped in and asked my questions and I'd answer people. And, you know, like one out of the 40 people would talk to me because I wasn't talking about Spock and Vulcans and zines. Right, and right. I was talking about background and, you know, not ship nerdity, but mm -hmm. I'm talking like the races and the, you know, the tech and yep. other characters besides Spock or even Kirk. Yep. And I was like, oh. Okay, so there's like, and after a few months and a few years, I'm like, okay, so there's like eight or ten people like me in the country. <laughs> like, I'm in a vast minority. Yeah. So anyway, but that was that was kind of like you know your awareness. But it was just it was fun in those days. You know, the old thing about you had to be tough to be a fan in those days. You know, you had to you couldn't carry it around in your back pocket. Yeah, right. So, but that's that's kind of my arc and then along the way you know building models and having my mom make a uniform or two for me and my first one was a mccoy uniform that was the other thing was oh. i didn't realize i was an underdog person and after a while i started noticing that when i actually was in a spencer's gifts or you actually saw a catalog you know nothing online still but a paper catalog or a flyer yeah um and before I was ever at a con even, but it was, everything was Kirk and Spock and Kirk and Spock and the enterprise and the whole crew. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, well, I want a Scotty t-shirt. I want a McCoy t-shirt. Where are they? Yep. And there weren't any at first, you know, and, and forget I'm a, uh, a Chekhov or an Uhura or a Sulu. And finally, and I'll stop here. So the, <laughs> and I still have this, the first time I was able to get McCoy on a t-shirt, and, you know, there was Lincoln Enterprises, which was Gene and Majel's company, mail order right. catalog. Right. And they always would say, later on, they would say, well, we would sell anything we could mail flat because they weren't going to get into mm -hmm. freight. It could go in an envelope. So, you know, everything from scripts to stickers to photos and all that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they didn't sell T-shirts, I don't think, but they would sell like iron-on T-shirt things. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, they had clips they could make out of anything. Right. And... Um, <laughs> And I, I didn't think anything about it at the time until about 10 years ago. And it struck me really funny anyway. The, but my memory, I used to talk about this as in how long we had to wait for the rest of the crew to show up with representation and all that. But the first time I was able to get McCoy at all on a T-shirt, I had to make it myself with an iron on from Lincoln. That's amazing. And it was from Patterns of Force. And he didn't even, it wasn't even a solo. It was Kirk Spock and McCoy. 
and it was all of them in their Nazi uniforms in the closet. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so at the time, I was like, finally, I can get a McCoy. And I didn't think about it. I didn't. Th- I was like, I can finally get a McCoy. Why does he have to share it with the other two? What, someday we'll have a McCoy by himself. Oh, That's what right. a day that will be. But for now, I you know got this. And did it and wore it too many times and it started to crack a little. And so I stopped wearing it and it got preserved. And then I lost weight about 10 years ago and I could wear it again. And I think that was it. I got it out and was like, oh, the, you know, and and the times we live in, it's also kind of adding to this. And it was like, oh, huh. With my adult eyes, I see that the first t-shirt of anything, I the first anything of Star Trek that I could wear, that was a t-shirt, it's Nazis. (laughs) You were making a statement. I guess I was. <laughs> Talk about in the closet. Oh, my yeah. God. Then within a year or two, I was able to get another iron on. And it's it's Spock and McCoy outside the uh, the uh, shuttle deck, ha- the hangar bay in Journey to Babel, where McCoy's Spock is teaching in the, the Vulcan sign. And he says that hurts worse than the sling. So it's the two yeah. of them, the Vulcan <laughs> sign. Much more, you know, and they're in their dress blues. Much prettier. Yeah. Much much more trekish thing. That was my second T-shirt. So anyway, oh my god, that's. No, I find this is all done. Good night, folks. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's to go after that? You said you said world building before, and if we're not careful, we're gonna we're gonna. That'll be the whole discussion. That's, yeah, that's mm-hmm. something that that we talk about, even if it's outside of gaming, when it comes to you know story writing and things. Yeah. like Yeah. Well, so, so much of gaming is world building. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay, before we get there, though, so because I can't resist, even though it wasn't my favorite one, it has been a long road getting from there to here. So fast forward, I apologize to everyone listening. Fast forward uh, to today. I mean, Larry, when it comes to Trek, it's like you're everywhere. I, I mean, I look, you know, we've been reading. Well, I don't know about that. But I, okay. It looks like that from the outside. I mean, we've been, it's amazing. We, you know, we've been reading your books for what, decades now? I mean, since they started coming out, the, I, mean, I can look over and I mean, there they are. Just blows my mind, honestly, that we're talking to you right now. Um, but I, I look at like, I love watching. I love like the only thing I go to YouTube for, I'm just not a YouTube person. I the the I, I like audio. I like radio. That's just how I'm wired. But uh, I love the Trekman Tuesdays. Uh, I, I just, I'll, I'll really? sit there. Uh, I, in fact, I will put them, this is, I'll put them on in the car and listen while I'm going around. Cause you know, we can just, we can just do the streaming anyway. Right. Um, but, but that. So you're and, playing the, you're playing because we don't do it as a pod. So it's audio. No, so right. It's, it's the video. It's the, and it's then the you... dumbest thing ever. I look ahead and I listen. <clears throat> and I just well, that's plug good in. to know. Yeah, okay. no, no, I, yeah, I'm not, he drives yeah. responsibly. That's I yeah. do. I, I pride myself on that. <laughs> I do but, not want to be the reason. Yeah, but, <laughs> right. Da- the reason by, you wiped out a whole track. city block. Right. Or something. Yeah. Okay. But, but no. So so like if I don't have time, you know, to watch, I'll just put it on in the car, and you know, a couple commutes, and boom, I'm through it. Like that's it's perfect. But you know you've got there's that you've got all the stuff you have streaming you've got Portal Forty Seven, you it you seem to have talked to everybody like and what fascinates us is is you've had so many interactions that you've documented not so much with the face of it with all the actors but with all the creators of all these different stripes which gets us going. Yeah, well that's. That's kind of a thing, too. I mean, that was like I said, that's what got the beginning was the world building, like the first impulses. I, yeah. you know, 
I, as I learned about the zine world and all the, the zine writers and the fan, fan fiction, I should say, I always sure, would sure. say zine, but all the fan fiction writers and the zine world and realized that a, eventually that was, it felt like anyway, that was 80% women or more, mm-hmm. you know, and the whole thing with Spock and the allure of that and all that. And then the Kirk fact. Yeah. And then the fact that that was the building blocks of local clubs, you know, like mm-hmm. networks of people and clubs, uh, although the Starbase Star Trek Association for Revival, which was kind of like the early days version of Starfleet, except they weren't ship chapters. They were just local chapters. Mm-hmm. A few of them stuck around. And I was actually a member of one of the last two or three that went on for years and years and years until they finally fell mm-hmm. apart about 20 years. Starbase Oklahoma City, but Starbase... Uh, San Diego is still going and Starbase Phoenix is still going uh, or Star Star Phoenix Star. Anyway, Um, but to realize that women were I mean, the guys were nerdy and out there, obviously. And you look at the pictures from the pro the the uh, uh, Cal Poly protest at NBC in 68, you know, for the third season, part of the the mail campaign, the writing campaign. Um. There's plenty of guys there, obviously, and the guys yeah. have you know been. But the fact that there people later on would think that you know the girls weren't nerdy too. It's like no, they were there. And look at the whole the whole yeah. organized, structured part that grew into clubs, that grew into the conventions in the, in the beginning. Yeah. That was you know female led coming out of the zine movement. I don't know why I went down this tangent. Oh, um, but that's it. Struck me years later how that is not like apparently. Everybody and their dogs' first impulse when they got excited by Star Trek was to sit down and start writing their own stories. And that's awesome, but that wasn't me. My thing right. was to sit down and start gathering everything to make sense of it because the, you know, like the making of books, Steve Poe's book was awesome, but there's no index and it's just all kind of scattered. And the first thing I did was go through and pull everything together and type it. And I still have it somewhere. Wow. It's like, you know, that other thing. And then redraw the ship with all the call-outs of the parts and redraw. Th- <laughs> and 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 the there. And then the technator comes out and I'm like, well, look at all these gaps in the pages. What about the page for, for uh, deflector shield? I mean, and I started to like take the blank pages in the back and do my own pages. Yeah. And then, the, you know, anyway. And then B. Joe's Concordance came out and my, and like my brain melted. And that's when I, I was telling somebody the other day that I said – this is awesome. I would keep my own notes. Oh, they've got that rank braid wrong. He's not a commander. He's a loot, you know, and goofy stuff and right down mm-hmm. there. But also it hit me and I was not, you know, among those interests was, uh, I, you know, we just start star watching just the constellations and having fun, mm-hmm. but realizing how many real stars Star Trek used yeah. among all the fictional ones. Yeah. But then to look at them and see, oh my God, there's like all these stars and they're not organized. This these this should be organized, and but these real ones, and that's when I started like, and then I saw Franz Joseph's baby maps star charts, and basically fleshed all of that out over like the last summer I was out of high school into college, and then the next year, couple of years, and then we had Jeff Mandel, who I wound up knowing because when the medical reference came out. I was thought it was awesome that they had stars attached to all the major species like Klingons and humans and Vulcans and mm-hmm. and some things were you know Forty Eridani had been Vulcan star it was it was fan canon that finally Gene adopted but so much that ninety percent of the rest of it was just all who had put this book together yeah and Jeff was kind of the lead on it and I had a question because like the real star they had for the Klingons was closer than, say, the real star for the Andorians. 
And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. But I was, I, I wasn't raving. I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't help notice this. So I wrote a letter, addressed it to the editor listed, and it went, you know, it took six months. They kept forwarding it around, and finally, it gets to me six or eight months later, and it's Jeff answering, and he says, "Your letter finally got to me." Um, you're not the only one who ever asked me about all this, but you're the only one who hasn't out of all the, you know, thousands of letters, he was exaggerating, but of all, out of all the letters he got, I'm the only one that's not like screaming at him. <laughs> he said, so I'm going to answer you, but I had said, I'd been working on these star charts. He said, I'd love to have them. I'm going to publish some. So for about a year or two, we worked on that and fleshed things out. And then, and then, and then it didn't see the light of day because the real world, there was a new version coming out. Um, called Star Trek Charts. It was in a cardboard pouch, kind of like the Blueprints' vinyl pouch, but it was two sheets and Mike McMaster, who did the original, oh, I'm. this is so much old stuff in the weeds, but the guy who did the this original cool. bridge blueprints for the Enterprise shows the function of every button on the bridge, that guy, and then he also did the D7 Battlecruiser the blueprint. after the blueprint craze came in yeah. with the Enterprise, started a whole new genre, and then he did the recognized quasi-official D7 Klingon and the, the Klingon Battlecruiser. And then um, and then the bridge blueprints, which is amazing. And, you know, just documenting the look and the dimensions and everything, much less right. figuring out a function to make it. He retconned everything. And then I think he did the Romulans, too, and did a K7. Uh, anyway, that guy was doing this and he was killed in a, some kind of a traffic accident. And they went to Jeff to finish it, but it was a totally different scale that was actually better than what Franz Joseph has done. And I'm in the weeds here, but basically all the thing that I had done for two years that I thought was going to get published and I was going to have my name published and I'd be a person in this early day and, you know, whatever was all out the window. And I was like in college and crushed and I'm like, okay, fine. And um, he was going to try to use some things that didn't depend on scale, like some of the nomenclature I had done. So anyway, I got burned and just went on back to my life because I did have a I did have a life, thank you, Shatner. And um, and the next generation came out and I started doing my own version of B. Joe's Companion, a, a concordance. Yeah. Next gen, and that's when we were talking about Max. That's when I said, okay, I'm going to do this for real, but I don't want to hand type it, and I don't want to yeah. transcribe something and then have to type it again. I want to input it as I watch tapes. On my forehead v- VCR tapes on fast speed, <laughs> fast speed, yeah, fast speed. So that when yep. you you didn't get static, you could read. Right. Didn't call macudograms then, but I could read Mike's stuff in 1988 and was writing it down before oh, anybody knew about it. You know, and um and tracking door na- labels and you know everything though. But just doing doing what Bijo did, only doing it on another level. And if yeah. it was. If it was verbal, I would say it was. Ver- uh, if it was um, visual only, I would do a slash V. If it came from a technical guide or something, I would do that. Amazing. Anyway, and uh, that's what. Then I uh, then uh, showed them to uh, to Richard Arnold, who was Gene's assistant, and he he, you know, uh, creamed his pants and said, "Oh my God, we have nothing like this." The writers are having to just go back through old scripts because there was no internet, there was no encyclopedia from the Akutas, there was nothing. Right. And for four or five years, the next gen writers were all I would make a copy and then Richard would copy everything and make 10 or 15 copies for the writers and their assistants and Gene and licensing eventually even. 
And that's how my name was in the hopper to do not an amazing, which would have been all ready to go. Yeah. But a making of book the way I had worshipped, you know, Stephen Pose at the beginning. And I knew what level I had to be, except I had three months to do it in, which stretched <laughs> to six. So anyway, it was insane time, but I rose and that was the original blue uh, TNG companion. And then after that, coming out from Oklahoma once or twice. Then after that, some things started to move and we decided to, by then I was married and had two small, two small stepkids that basically I was raising and, and the uh, wife and her ex got along fine. It, everything was wonderful. She used to say he was a much better ex, ex, uh, ex, <laughs> ex father, ex husband than he was not that he was bad, but he was mm -hmm. able to mm -hmm. keep things better. So mm -hmm. shout out to Don there. Anyway, um, we came to L.A. fully formed <laughs> and yeah. then Star Trek blew up at the same time. So and she was able to do it. She had a temp job on Voyager just starting out of the gate that became permanent that she did for five years until she got burned out. Jeez. And um, yeah, and we used to do we did started doing cons together as as guests and, you know, doing behind the scenes background stuff. But that's that's what I, and i would after the books came out i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do next and mm -hmm. some of the other ideas i had didn't come my way although i saw them popping up in various so the fact files came along which was an amazing thing but nobody in america saw it but that was europe and, and around the world was a was a licensed thing that i kind of coordinated and did a lot mm -hmm. of writing for but also you know but along the way, everybody I talked to so many people for the book in a crammed amount of time. And then when I had another year or two or three, I went back to that. And then when Next Gen passed, I was ostensibly over. But between everybody knowing me and we were there and Janet working, I just kept talking to everybody. Yeah. And that's where I wound up with the end of the year writers, producers, prop sets, costume, visual effects, assistants sometimes, occasionally a guest star. But I really... It really was between um, the fact that the 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 making of had always been my thing, and sometimes yeah. you're trying to figure out the trivia, like what's the tiny writing on the on the chart, you know, on a kudogram. Yeah. Here it is. Well, you got to I got to go ask Mike what it is, and he here's a copy, or here's what it was. But also the proper names and scripts, like oh, that was named for my first grade teacher, or that was my second girlfriend, or that was my ex husband that I hate, and now he's the villain, and he, you know. <laughs> That kind of stuff I thought was like just fascinating and fun to know. And so between I started off being the guy who got filled canon, but then also yeah. became the guy who wanted to know why did you do this? Why did you not do it? Yeah. You know, what's the story of the stories? And then what's the story of the whatever it is? And the art and visual effects were their own saga. Props and costumes. Yeah, sure, too. But all the, you know, makeup. Mm -hmm. But um since since you know star trek is so visual and it's a made-up universe the visual effects in the art department the graphics were just whole nerd kingdoms all by themselves so anyway once you were trusted and in the gate and there we were just kind of in and so through the whole berman mm -hmm. era that's what i did and yes i talked to way more of those folks because to me i love the actors here's mm -hmm. here's the crystallizing thing and then i'll take a breath and shut up no no keep going You're i remember <laughs> back yes, in the man. day to go to a real in the middle of the country when I was a kid and you the, the conventions first happened about the time I was they were a few years ahead of me as a fan, but by yeah. that time I knew that the New York was the big cons and then LA too. 
And occasionally I'd hear about a con in Chicago. Well, I'm sitting here in the middle of the country. Right. I'm like, yeah, like I'm ever going to get to L.A. or Chicago or New York, you know, as a teenager. And the first time then I went to a convention and it was really a nostalgia, Western collectibles, old time radio, with a little sci fi in it. But I swear right. I saw the bloopers for the first time. So I was I was a fan. Didn't stay overnight. The first time I went to an overnight convention was in Tulsa. You know, stayed in the hotel kind of thing. The hotel coffee shop sneered at all the sci-fi and Trekkie kids. It was that, you know, that time. Yeah. Nobody realized how much money we were spending. That was <laughs> Chamber of Commerce <laughs> Comic Con era would would be as big a thing yeah. as the get me out of the closet. But um, but the Denver Stephen Walker, late great Stephen Walker's cons in Denver was the first time I went to a con. I was like, oh my God, this is what I would do if I ever could. And then we wound up working on and then doing a con in Oklahoma City, a, a, a media con for Trek. But we'd go to Denver and um and it was like this is and now I've lost my trail here, but this is why I this was like what I see. And I would actually see other fans, you kind of got a sense. But the very the very first time I went to that overnight con in Tulsa, my head space of what a convention was was we all took our are making of behind the scenes stuff and sat around and talked about that. I mean, this is how out of it I was. So I was yeah. like in college and I had a book, I had a box. So I put my tech manual, medical reference, blueprints, concordance, a few other things in it and went up. And I was like, walked in like, okay, we're all going to sit around and talk about, you know, production and making of and canon stuff. And it's like, no, that's not what they do at conventions. <laughs> you might get, you know, one panel for the weekend or two. But anyway, that's when I was like, oh, OK, that's not what's happening here. So I kind of like started mixing with other fans and got out yeah. of my butt. And um, anyway, anyway, I'll take a breath. Sorry. No, are you going to fascinating? <laughs> I, I mean, that's what it's because you didn't have, you know, now yeah. we for good or bad. We have the Internet. We have social media. We have all yeah. of this. And even in the 90s, you, you had message board. You were yep. you were connected but that first 10 years or so right you were it's who you knew in your neighborhood or your region and then you would every time you would take a step up you would go to a new thing and then you would meet people a little further away you know and then you would grow up a little more or get a little more money or get a job and then you would go to the next thing above that and meanwhile right. you're writing to every it's a paper and stamp world you know yeah Yep. And it was the well committee, which was like Star Trek, like needed the Internet when it happened. That's why Star Trek has pushed the envelope, you know, oh, demographics. Well, the yeah. first show that was the the hit of yeah. demographics had been canceled. And that explains Star Trek in the 70s, you know, popular. But it's like Star yeah. Trek is pushing. Star Trek needed the Internet then, but they didn't. So the well committee was the paper and stamp version of the Internet. Like, do you want to know right. where other fans are? Where are the stores? What's the merch? Do you want to know the information? You want to know events? You want to know history? There is no internet and there is no whatever. And people can only write one book a year or something, you know. Right. So that the well committee became with, with all volunteers that answered your letters. You wrote to the, you sent a SACI, a stealth address stamped envelope. That was a currency. <laughs> and so people, because the cost of stamps piles up really fast. Even when the stamps are eight cents or 10 cents a stamp, they yep. pile up real fast. And and then they had departments like the trivia department and the convention department. And you want to write, you want to write a fanzine. You want to organize a club. You want to run a convention. They had all that information. And then they had, you know, newsletter and they had the, the yellow pages of Star Trek was a club listing and the dealers listing and the convention listing. 
all in one thing, all collated, which was an amazing thing. And then it was like, you know, typed at the beginning. It was finally. Right, right. Anyway, but so I became a volunteer answer, like three, I answered three letters a month. And then after a few years, I got to be the library computer chief, which meant if people had a really hardcore trivia, not trivia as in how many, you know, Mm -hmm. medallions were on Kirk's dress. Not that, but more like everything from how does warp drive work to like really esoteric. It's kind of like what I've done in the Titan magazine. It's like that old Q&A thing. It's like Mm -hmm. a, you know early day reddit where people talk about stuff. yeah back then that's what you did you wrote and you sent your sacy and you know in the beginning i'd get a ton of letters and then as it got into the 80s and the 90s people wrote less and less because they'd rather be online or they'd rather be on their message boards right arguing about it and then getting the information but that's, that's a testimony to trek though that that how it grew in an area yeah. in an era pre you know, pre-internet where we could yeah. have, like we were having this conversation now. It just did, it that couldn't happen, but it's still it's, the fan base. Yeah. Well, what we're doing right now was your one in the morning con room party conversation. Right. At the speed of technology, that's what this was. Everybody that gets in an, in, every podcast would have been, you know, you're yeah. all sitting on, 15 people are crammed in a room at a room party and you're just sitting around on the beds, on the mattresses, talking to somebody. You know, at one in the morning and after having whether it was a, you know, a convention party to get people to come to your convention or it was just the room party of the whatever. But all of this talk, that's the um, the books, the book uh, uh, Star Trek Lives, um, Sondra Marshak and I'm, I'm getting I'm getting authors wrong. But anyway, they tried to analyze there was a book they sold in the 70s and they tried to analyze why Star Trek was exploding. And this is before Star Wars. This is like, yeah. right. Right. George Lucas got his last bit of funding because Star Trek had blown up for two or three years. And it was like, oh, OK, we'll give you the money for this sci fi thing you're doing. Right. Because of because of Star Trek. Right. And tangible things like the tech manual is the number one New York Times bestseller for 12 weeks or 16 weeks. And that's like a money metric that people who care nothing about sci fi or Trek go, right. oh, OK. Maybe these kids, maybe there's money in these kids. And that's Paramount doing a movie and the syndicated stations. Their ratings are 500 times better than when they just showed dialing for dollars in the afternoon. Now they're showing Star Trek and their ratings are through the roof, you know, or their late night. And all of those money metrics started to make it easier for the real world to respond to all these these Trekkie kids. Yeah, that's where, you know, and then but part of it was in their chat when their book Star Trek lives, they one of the things was they called the discovery effect which is you're sitting at home watching this thinking oh this is amazing why do i feel why do i love this show more than anything i've ever seen on tv in my life of 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years yeah and nobody else seems to be talking about it and then you find one secret fan at the water cooler or at school or something that that is a fan also but then as you found more and more people, then if you actually stumble into a, heaven forbid, you found a club or you found a zine and you wrote the addresses across the country and you found them and maybe you got to a convention and then your your brain is melt. This connection that we have, the internet just gives us. You just wake up in the morning, fall out of bed and you have a million people you can talk to. Well, that, yeah. you didn't have that then. No, you know? no. And they called that the discovery effect. And that was one of the big, so it's like Star Trek was pushing the envelope. Yeah. It's like, well, damn it. It's the same people that said, you're going to cancel my show. Well, I'll show you. I'm going to write my own stories. Ha. 
you know, or you can't yeah, take my Star yeah. Trek way. I'm going to build my own ships and design my own uniforms and I'm going to do. And it's the same. It's like there's no Internet yet. Well, ha, I'll show you. I need to talk to these 5000 other people or 50,000 other people. Right. You know, I need to find my tribe. And that was, you know, and then within two or three years, Star Wars blew up. And, and it was like, oh, look, you have everything from look at the box office to now local news is running around interviewing the kid that's seen Star Wars 82 times, you know, and that became a thing. But yep. the basic output of that was not only was there a sci-fi boom and everybody and their dog in Hollywood had to crank out good, bad and ugly sci-fi, yep. but it let the world know this was a thing and people mm-hmm. suddenly it was easier to find each other, you know, mm-hmm. pre-internet. So it wasn't so, and you, so more and more from then and star Wars wound up being the catalyst and got the toy contract and now is the biggest franchise, but it was really star Trek that enabled that. And star Trek is the one that split off media cons from lit cons where it was just about the film property and you had model builders and you had cost costume people and um, you know, and trivia and, and the film room and all of that out of the old just the old mold of of lit cons that had been around because there was no decent nothing good was on screen and if it was it was a happy accident you know you got a twilight zone or you got a forbidden planet or a day the earth stood still or a 2001 and those were happy accidents but they weren't the norm until star trek and star trek was the first time you had a media thing you know and it sure wasn't lost in space you know contemporary so anyway but that's that's one of the things that's always got me is the whole modern comic-con movement is i i think it's totally fair to say it was star trek now maybe it was something else might have come along whatever but -hmm. it was star trek the the official the first gatekeeping i'm going to say was when the litcon people decided they couldn't control this huge flood of people who came in the trekkies and it's like you know at first it was like welcome welcome then after two or three years it was like okay you really need to read your classics and not just worship the show and they're like, we don't need to. There's too much with this show to do. We, we're yeah. trying to get a show back, damn it. You know, we have a cause here. We have a campaign. They're like, okay, but you really need to read your classics. <laughs> and so after a while, it became, they just kind of took over or almost did. And it was like, why don't you all go start your own convention? And they did. Yeah. And that was, the, you know, and then and then within two or three years, bang, here's Star Wars and we're off to the races. Yeah, I, rem- I don't remember hearing, of, and obviously it predates me just a little bit, but um, the idea of a convention for for a for a franchise, I don't, I I've always assumed just based off of my own reading over the years that it was Trek. You know, mm-hmm. um, Star Wars came later. Don't get me wrong, I like sci fantasy. Jason, you always have always said we, you know, we like sci fantasy, but we, you know, the history of the future, yeah. you know, Star Trek is the way to go. Star yeah. Trek is yeah. is the way to go so well i saw star wars six times so don't you know <laughs> no i did no, oh I, no no we, we've stood in I, i've stood in line yeah, for more than one yeah. movie but back those days yeah. but what this is this is what i get back to too if you had told me say in 70 like a year after star wars was out if you had told me that in 20 years much less 40 or 50 years that Star Wars was going to be so much bigger than Star Trek. And think about that. Like yeah. a year after the first movie, right. what was what was their physics? Forget even books and magazines. And what was what was the what was the canon core of the thing? It was there was a two hour movie for Star Wars and we had 80 hours. Well, by then we had 80 hours and then a two hour movie, you know, but even 80 hours and even 
11 hours of the animated if you wanted to count the animated, if you yeah. wanted to include, you know. But either way, it was like 80 to 2, 40 to 1. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, and Star, War, Star Trek started this and Star Wars got hot because it was big screen and, yes, was a revolution in visual effects. That was right. a lot of the driver, right? right. But to me, the, what's, what is the there there? And if you had said, well, 20, 30, 40 years from now, Star Wars will be 10 times bigger than Star Trek, and not that it's a race, not that it's a contest, but I'm just saying, I would have said, oh, really? Why? <laughs> presumably. Like, okay, presumably like did Jediism become a real religion? I mean, I really would have like tried to figure out, you know, and today we were like, this and then I said, is it because of the toys? You know, more than what was on screen? Because people got sentimental with their toys when they were kids, and that's just, yeah. you know... Well, I mean, so you, come, you think about it's it, you had universe, Boba but... Fett's character came out. I know Kenner, originally Boba Fett was a mail-in. You had to yeah a little proof of purchases. Yeah. But but I always thought just to myself, and I can't say it's right or wrong. I don't know if you have uh, an opinion on it or not, was Star Wars, great. I'm uh, Jason and I were both oh, big yeah. fans. It's sci-fantasy. It's Star Trek was always more cerebral. Yeah, but in all fairness, yeah. they did have the Christmas special. I wasn't going to bring it up. The Star Wars I mean, Christmas yeah, I, special. I, I actually, I only, I, I only saw that. I only learned about that and watched, tried to watch that for the first time during the pandemic. I think I made like twenty five minutes, and it's like I can't hate myself this much. I have to stop now. Yeah. Why do you think it was buried so fast? So right, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't until the internet. Almost everything can be excavated from you know, eventually found, good and bad, mm-hmm. can be found and, and that's right. Yeah, you can't, but that you can't also pass. is what—that's what brings us. You know, I mean, Trek. Uh, ignoring this back and forth nonsense of now the movies are on Netflix or wherever they are, and then they'll be back to Paramount Plus, whatever. But yeah. I mean, to to have to have access to all of canon. Yes. Right. I mean, I remember as a as a kid, like if you had if you had told me as a kid growing up with TNG that someday. You'll just be able to watch any of this whenever you want or need it, right? Such a world of beauty could never exist, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's 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 amazing. You know, I think I've got my wife and my girls are going to be away for a chunk of the weekend doing their respective things, and you know, later this week, and it's like, okay, so how am I going to use a couple evenings? And it's like, well, I'm going to just watch Trek one evening, and you know, to have that kind of to your point, Larry, of you know, fast forward to now where we do have that mm-hmm. kind of access and how internet streaming all of this stuff is push i hope pushing trek forward because everyone can see it now i mean i know yeah there are still firewalls and whatnot and paywalls but Mm -hmm. but to bring people in like i remember when i was in high school i think i was a sophomore when i was a friend introduced me to the tech manual right i grew up like brett i grew up on the films and you know so everyone was kind of like a senior states person by then but i like fell in love with trek TOS was on in reruns in the afternoons when I was little, but but the films, like, how could you, like, I was the only elementary school student I knew who thought the motion picture was brilliant and riveting and fascinating, right? Uh-huh. I loved it. But then when TNG came out, it's like, okay, right, this, and developmentally, right, this is my thing. And I mean, I was all in. But then a couple of years later, when a friend 
showed me his copy. He's like, I'll bring it for you tomorrow. And show bring comes to school and shows me his copy of the tech manual, TOS or not. And it blew my blew my mind wide open. Wait, like, wait, this was the TOS or the TNG tech the TOS. Oh yeah. This yeah, is yeah. so it, it shouldn't have been, I don't think it was out that long. And it was like, this is like my life would never be the same. Like I went from I, you know, like of course I I really enjoy this to I think that was probably right, the just the turning point for me of this will this will never be the same. Right. I didn't yeah. annotate everything and build a concordance like you did, but I I saw someone on 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 Twitter or whatever we call it now, right? Had not too long ago had been posting like some pages from the manual. And I mean it's not like I can't just walk over to my shelf and grab it, but yeah. But it brought back these vivid memories of I, I would just sit in my room and look. I, I got a copy right away and would would just look through it for hours trying to figure out how does this all jibe with the world building and the culture of Starfleet and what does this mean and why have we never seen a dreadnought? Just it was incredible. Like you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um it was just, it was like, oh, good. It's nice to have, you know, these drawings of stuff. And then to know that years later, well, there was some, something, well, it was obvious that he created some things out of whole club. The day I realized that the Articles of Federation were just the UN charter with United <laughs> Nations marked out and United Federation of Planets written in, you know, and the Security Council was the Federation Council. It was like, okay, guys, and there's a few specific things, but... But no, it was, you know, but he took a stab at the Organian Treaty and he took a stab at the at the Romulan Neutral Zone Treaty. And, you know, and the fact that the apparently he took the Lincoln Enterprises patterns and just and made those uniform, like some people actually made uniforms from the patterns in the tech manual, which is amazing, was, you know, crazy. I was I was the kid that was trying. I mean, a kid. This is at the birth of the Internet. I wanted to read the Treaty of Algernon. You know, what was, yeah. you know, I wanted to read that. <laughs> Um, exactly. and see, you yes. know, the, the politics of that versus the politics of, you know, the Treaty of Versailles, you know, I, mm -hmm. seeing how each of them different, because now you're talking about different species, different groups of peoples, people in space. I still have so many questions after Picard season three, so many questions about the galacto politics and lower, oh, lower decks uh, is doing lower decks is doing a nice job of filling in some of it just elegantly but there are mm -hmm. I, I i just have so many questions and it's like when when is the next check manual probably not going to come out right or I legacy know. i would settle for that yeah so but you were talking about like generations you were talking about uh people not no, we're spoiled now like it's all here oh, yeah just go yeah. and get they're spoiled but go back to these days so it's a thing of when um when Next Generation was ending and DS9 had been around for a couple of years. And of course, the movies, the Berman era movies were always like layered on top of they had mm -hmm. some people brought in, but a lot of the creative staff yeah. just doubled up. Right. Yeah. Or they they took time away at the end of a season to go, you know, the Akutas and Rick Starbuck and, and, and Herman Zimmerman and and Bob Blackman and costumings and usually at least one person from visual effects. But they would all back off to go work because everybody wanted a movie credit if they'd been a TV person, you know, and then they almost die. And they're like, that's fine. I've done it once or something. But in that time, they brought extra people on just for the especially in our department as they staffed up. And I will never forget because all the times that Jeff Mandel and I worked on my maps for his book that then didn't happen. And we kind of fell off after that. But I was in Oklahoma. He was in New York. 
and you know, anybody that says, I saw something funny the other day. Somebody had a meme or something of a flop of three and a half inch floppy disk. And they said, I had this the other day. And somebody said, this guy said, oh, my eight-year-old saw this and said, oh, did you 3D print the icon for- I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't I, see that. But that's, that's the world we live in. Things have changed so fast. But if I say that everyone saw you, you'll see a thing. Somebody says, you know- uh, Make us make a comment or a sentence that no one under 30 will know what the hell you're talking about, you know. But one of those was realizing when I say that Jeff and I never talked like we wrote letters back and forth. Yes. Yes. We didn't even talk on the phone because of long distance phone races. Yep. Yes. And we were three out. We were an hour apart then. We were just central. So in 94, when they're staffing up and I went up to get something, I was working on the book and racing around. And Mike, Mike Akuda says, Larry, come on. He's like, there's somebody I want you to meet. Come in. And we went into the little room where DS9's first year art department had been. And now the Generations art department was in there. And he goes, Larry, I want you to meet Jeff Mandel. Jeff, this is Larry. And I, my jaw fell off. It was like. Oh, my God, because it had been like 15 years since we were like hot and heavy writing, writing back and forth by letter. Yeah. And then, you know, and then it all blew up and I was like, oh, well, I'll never have it, you know, which was funny. But that, by the way, is oh, I won't I won't go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, it was like amazing that here we couldn't we didn't even talk to each other because of long distance. And we didn't want to get up at seven in the morning, Eastern Central, you know, or talk at midnight or whatever. And here we are, both of us coming back on our path and we meet in L.A. at Paramount. You know, connected to him, him on payroll and me, well, on, you know, adjacent on a licensing payroll or something. Anyway, it was just like, oh, and so then we, you know, and it was like, oh, my God, this is it was really kind of a weird moment. But that's that's where Star Trek in the 90s was, was like, you know, the boom then and everything. Anyway, but that's one of those cases where it's like, say something that no one under 30 will understand. We never we didn't even talk because. Aside from the fact you can stream anything, you can take pictures, you can record audio, you can do a documentary on your stupid phone, much less have the knowledge of the world there, much less, yeah. you know, get a hold of it, call somebody or email them or text them instantly. or Just just that instantaneous level of what's the thing about an iPhone has more computing power in it than the Apollo command and service and lunar modules? Numerous times over. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I just think Amazing. the long distance thing. I'm glad you went there because you know yeah. people, kids don't know, but anyone under even probably 35 doesn't realize, you know, different rates based off of different times of I, day. Who was your long distance provider? Was it MCI? Was it AT and T? You know, um, you know, you had to you had to account for local call rate versus you know yeah. long distance. Oh, what is your long distance? Area? I'm talking about Ma Bell was your yeah. own phone company, oh, yeah. and yeah. you had all the pages in the beginning of the phone book that would talk about how what the you know if you were in this area code calling you know just in your general area much less across the country so yeah growing up we still had until i was at least in high school we still had a rotary phone downstairs just as a backup i don't know why yeah well, we had I grew a, up we a rodeo rodeo, fo- rodeo a rotary phone in the kitchen <laughs> It was the phone in my dad's house until he died and wow. we sold in 2009, you know, wow. but you had, da, da, da. and I didn't have, a, I had a, the first year I was in college, I had a punch phone. I had a, I had a button yeah. phone. 
and they were modular. That was the other thing because they had kids coming in out of dorms, and that was like the first bit you 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 had to you say rented. What do we call it when you you had a phone yeah. and you put a little on it every month, and then you yeah yeah college yeah. dorm, and then you yeah. got another one next year. But you had they had to rewire the dorms from that was like amazing to me. It's like oh my god, look the phone you can plug in and plug out and take it away. And but um, we had a we. <laughs> Okay, this is crazy stuff. But for for thanks to my dad's insistence, we actually were attached. We had Southwestern Bell, which was Bell System, but then there yeah. were also some independent ones in GTE, which was out of yeah. anyway. But across the road, across the road, we were on Slaughterville Road, and across the street, across the road, County Road section line was Lexington Addresses and Lexington School District, and we we're in the country, but not that far out in the country, and right off a highway and. Um, Lexington phone system. And we were Noble School District and Lexington addresses and Lexington. Anyway, the corner, a half mile at the corner was Noble Norman Southwestern Bell Bell system. Yeah. And dad wanted to be, and dad worked in Norman at the at the electric co-op. And he wanted to not be long distance to call work. And we were right. building a house out of my grandpa's quarter section, but real close to where my dad grew up. Anyway, he talked Southwest, he talked to somebody and actually got them to put like our mile on the north side was the phone company that it wasn't supposed to be. That's cool. So we had not only were we plugged in, we had, but we had to have four people on a party line as part of the deal. And so my grand, my mom's grand, my grandparents, my mom's side and us, and then two other people who already lived out there it was like a, a house every, you know, farm. Some of them were farms, some of them were just acreages, yeah. but four to this mile. And the four of us were on a party line. And so we could dial the weird number and get my, I never talked to the other people, but you'd put the, put the hook down and we, you know, and, and my grandma and grandpa were four, one, oh, four, one, two. And if we were at their house, you did that and dialed four, one, oh, four, two, one, and you held it down. And when it, it would ring and then ring. And then it, as soon as it stopped ringing in pattern, like if it suddenly stopped ringing, then you would lift up and know they were there. So that was six numbers instead of dialing seven, and nobody had to do area codes in those days. Right. Oh. Anyway, well, you I tell kids. You tell... Go, I really wanted to go Greenacres Mayberry on you. Like, <laughs> you, I mean, the fact if you go, if I went up and asked my kids, which are you know college age, you know, if I said the word dial tone, they would have no idea what that. I meant. I I had this. Yeah. We had this conversation last week at the dinner table because right, our our kids are basically the same, right? So my girls are they're sixteen and eighteen, and we were. So the 18 year old, my daughter, the, you know, she like Brad's got one in college, one about to go to college. I've got one about to go to college. And it's like, well, you know, we can talk and whatnot. And then when you, when you go and my wife's trying to explain, this is not how it was, right? Of course we can talk whenever you want. We can call, we can text, we can video chat. We can, this is not as it was. And we, and we start to explain how, you know, when, when your dad and I were dating, we would rack up these huge bills because we were in different cities and different states on on and we yeah. wait until it was after 10 and and blah blah blah. And they're they're like, what are you talking about? Like this doesn't why wouldn't you just call each other? And it's like that was not how it worked. This is not at all. It's also why we don't have pictures of everything every minute of the day from that era. It was a big thing to get a picture. That's why yeah. all the home movies and pictures are from Christmases and birthdays and vacations. It's like yep. everyday life didn't get recorded, which right. then it was a sad thing. You'd rather have just those ordinary, yeah, you know, yeah. pictures. You know, one of those things that nobody understands. Lines. I thought of one, a good one the other day. You're like, don't waste the film. Don't waste film. 
Oh yeah. Like, don't just blow a picture, you know. Or I still or, tell my girls to rewind. I've got one left on this roll here. Let's just. Oh, yeah. you know. Jason used to shoot with Velvia twenty five. I remember that, oh. and we talk how much it would cost Fuji oh, Velvia, how much it would cost versus Kodachrome, and I mean that's mm. they don't get any of that. Mm. I have an I have an oddball question, and then I wanted to talk gaming. Let me get back to Trek. But anyway, no, 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 no. This is good. It's all Trek. Grumpy yeah, guys. All Trek. But but you <clears throat> you live in or you know the Norman area for those of us who don't live in that area and and don't know that area well. I had family in Texas, so we used to commute yeah. all that time. Norman is where the Storm Prediction Center is. That's right. Uh, yeah. Used to be the Severe Storms Lab, but yeah, National the, Weather Center. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and you know, I follow that just because I'm a I'm a I'm a weather nerd as well as a Trek nerd. <laughs> um and you are right smack dab in the middle of Tornado Alley, the more Well, you were. Now have we were them in LA. Oh yeah, we yeah, moved. when you were in Texas. Yeah, yeah, when you were in Oklahoma. Oh, so right. It's where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Norman. Yeah. Did you ever and again, did you ever have to deal? Oddball question. I'm just a weather yeah, nerd. Yeah. Um, did you ever have to deal with anything like large scale tornadoes or things like that when you were living down there? Um, of course, we had them. If you, if you were <laughs> used to, we used to laugh. Now, since about since the big was the the May the May fifth tornado, they talk about it by the day. The tornado in '99. We were out here in LA. I just was watching it on the ground, but I knew what was happening. It's like watching 9/11 happen almost. Mm-hmm over like it rolled over time when i stumbled into by that time your weather channel and, and cnn or somebody would switch into whatever yeah but after i realized that i was watching videos later that day i grew up we used to have the joke that if there was a tornado you know you would but you would know tornadoes went from southwest to northeast and they were on the ground for a little bit and then they would go up in the air they might do destruction they might not do anything they might not form. If they form, they might be on. The, they might hopscotch along and then go back up in the clouds at some point. But the and and led to the jokes about you know if you knew you were in the right angle, what do you do when the tor- when you're in a tornado watch? You go out in the porch and, and look for one, and you That's then you Wisconsin. oh look, there it goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know mm-hmm. there it goes. But you if you're a savvy Oki and you grew up that way, or anybody in Tornado Alley, you everybody had a cellar. I will say that in all the years I grew up. We did get a cellar after we moved out the country from Norman and then where I was just talking about Slaughter, Slaughterville Road. Um, and um, but the, before, like if I left home at 18 and I can't, you know, I lived at home some after that. But basically, but, but before growing up until I left for college, we went to the cellar twice. And both of those were like not until I was like in junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. And I, because I remember packing up a bag of my stamp albums <laughs> and some of my like valuables to take down to the cellar. And my grandparents came up. We had the cellar with the understanding that they would, they were like not even a quarter mile down the road and would jump in a car and come up and go down with us. But I remember we went twice. Hmm. But most of, because most of the time you would, they would be, you know, you're, how many next generation episodes on Sunday did I have recorded with the, you know, they got to the point where Jim Williams would come on the Channel Four weatherman who'd been there for ages, and it was the Next Generation show. And oh. he got to the point where he would say, "They'd go boop boop," you know, uh, Channel Four weather advisory, and come in with the boot, the alarm thing, you know, boop boop boop, and come in. And the first thing he would say wasn't, "You people in Edmond, get to your cellars right now." You know, it wasn't that. It was always, "Okay, okay, Trek folks, okay, Trekkies." 
Hold on. We have paused the show. You're not going to miss anything. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Basically, he could have said, I'm going to save some lives, maybe. And then you can get back to your Star Trek. You know, but right. it was like, but it was so funny. After a while, it was like, don't worry. We've paused the show. You're not missing anything. Amazing. We're not interrupting, you know. But um, but yeah, because you it was so predictable. And you, you know, I remember oh. one day that I, re I remember specifically one Saturday, it was like noon, one, two in the afternoon. And it was a really, it was, it was like infamous for a while, but there was one day that five tornadoes popped up in South side of Oklahoma city and went across the middle of Oklahoma city. And it was like, I want to say it was like, it was 1970 and I was just a kid playing, you know, on a Saturday. It didn't hurt us. We were fine. Yeah. But I just remember that. But, but we weren't living there. But in 99, I think it was May 5th. Someone's going to yell at me. It was either May 2nd or May 5th. I think it was May 5th. And they called it the May 5th tornado because it was the first time sitting out here. It was also a lot like the, the Oklahoma City bombing happened nine months after moved to L.A. Wow. And to have been somebody who had just been in L.A. a few months and then gone home when I was working on the book in 92, 93, and I was at home when the OJ slow motion car chase happened and I had lived in LA enough to know how to drive freeways, but also just tell the whole, you know, you take the five to the one on one to the two, to the two ten to the four or five to, you know, that they would kid about on Saturday Night Live with the Californians, but to know how the world was and to be sitting in at home, I was living with my dad while I was working on the book and, you know, and, um, to get away from home because I had new I had kids and a young and a new family that I could had to do this book in three months and I went down mm -hmm. to stay with my dad during the week and that's when the slow motion OJ chase happened I remember my dad going and and you want to move out there <laughs> but that was the thing and then we're in LA and settled and then uh, Janet came in she goes I think you want to she called me because she was at Star Trek Jerry Taylor said Janet you want to come in and. She had a TV. She had a TV. Yeah. No, we didn't have TVs on our phones. We didn't have phones. Right. But she came in. She was the showrunner. So she had the perk of having a TV in her office. Yeah. And she said, Janet, you may want to come in and watch this. And Janet went in wow. and watched the bombing coverage. But she it was in, in Oklahoma. In, back home, the Oklahoma City channels, everybody was letting the LA channels carry the. This was back when this was like a new thing. Yeah. You were used to being somewhere in the country and watching. New York or LA channels get picked yeah. up and run, right? And right. all the all right. the LA newscasters, local or do it was so weird to be in LA and have little Oklahoma City channels, they just threw it to their coverage. You know, yeah. so we're sitting yeah. in LA yeah. and the network's affiliates are all letting their affiliate in Oklahoma City show the bombing coverage. And that was really surreal. And I was yeah. like, who would want to bomb a bunch of Okies? Anyway. Yeah. That was the thing. But um I went down this path for a reason. Now I can't remember. Anyway, it was well, you know, the funniest May, the May 99 tornado. Oh, the, sorry. Sorry. So we're yeah. sitting here at the same. It was the same thing. We're sitting here and there and all the weather people, the weather channels going bonkers. And then it bleeds over to CNN and the mainstream channels because here's Gary England, Channel 9 master, you know, the, the old guys we had known that were still there. But I didn't need them to interpret it. If it's if this thing started at Chickasha. And it was still on the ground. It never hopscotched and never yeah. went back up. It was on the ground for like 40, 50, 60 miles. Oh my God. And it was it was churning up so much debris that it was getting and it was forming like orbital co-tornadoes that orbited it. And it was just like it, it was going through farmland, farmland. But then when it hit more in Oklahoma City, it was like it was insane destruction. But it was like 
no tornado had ever not just gone a few miles, like yeah. maybe yeah. a mile or two up to a certain diameter and then hopped back up in the cloud. It didn't sustain that way. And this was just insane. They wound up making a whole new level of tornado for this. Yeah, they call oh them a God. PDS you tornado. About global warming. That was oh yeah, and God. then it, and then when it went, we saw. I saw this that summer. The last apartment built. Well, the last apartment we lived in was near where my wife was going to college, and then we moved back down to Norman in a rental house, and then we moved to L.A. And the last apartment we had lived in near Rose State College was right where this thing went up. And like the, the air conditioning units on the top of the apartment complex had all been blown off. It was oh. like dissipating, but it was that close. And it wiped out a corner right on the interstate, like a half mile away. There were like hotels and gas stations yeah. and restaurants and they were all like gone, but that was the end of the path. But it had been on the ground for like 60 miles, which is insane. And wiped I, out all these schools and these, I mean, it was just, it was what? And it was like, whoa. And it was like, is that once a century or is that the, yeah. and then, I think in 2003, like four years later, almost the exact same path, almost the exact same duration. And you had, you know, people around the country. Well, I think I'd move for more if I was these folks. But it was and that's when they by then they had solidified. They added a whole new intensity to mm -hmm. the scale. Instead of an E5, it, they added an, it was to four and they added a five or it was to five and they added a six. But that's when. Everybody was, you know, talking and debating global warming. And I'm like, right, right. This did not exist. Like, so that right. comfortable oaky that used to sit on the porch, you go, oh, there it goes. It's like, that's out the window now. Like, mm. the old jokes about going out on your porch and watch the tornado pass by, they're, they don't all go southwest to northeast now. Mm. And what's, they're all over the, it's not Tornado Alley. They're all over yep. the place. They're up in, yeah, the, upper, in the north. There was oh, yeah. water spouts in LA that came ashore. And so technically they're a tornado. And they come so to Long Beach in a couple of places in California. And they're having earthquakes in Oklahoma. It's like, ah, that's probably fracking. But anyway. No, okay. no, it's funny because you so can go out on. Star Trek weather modification net. That's yes. right. You can go out on YouTube and you can actually watch the coverage from both of those tornadoes if people and people do oh, just because they don't understand sorry i digressed i it's just oh, that was interesting. you haven't we come were, from oklahoma and it from was that area. just like mm -hmm. it was the same the same thing as sitting in la watching local oklahoma news stations and people you know newscasters yeah, yeah. cover something it was the same way watching that tornado that day and then the one in 03 but i didn't need i was enough of a native to know i didn't need them to interpret it i was like what do you mean it's been on the ground for 20 miles and it has no sign of going back up again what yeah. what yeah. you know it it went through three counties and never went up again what three four counties wow. Hey, before we go, I I wanted to because you had mentioned it too. Let's <laughs> talk about Star Trek. We've no, got to get okay. to, we've okay. got to, get my, to gaming at some fault. point. Yeah, it was my. Yeah, we got we have I, we have to ask oh. because you were you were messaging yes. us about being an OG gamer, although it may have been a while. Well, so here's the thing about I, that. I, I I'm talking about not being so much an OG gamer, but having lived through the OG game time because, um, I I said I had all these today. We'd say I had all these nerd interests back in the day. I would just say I had a lot of hobbies. <laughs> I stamp collected. I model railroaded. I built plastic models. I built, you know, uh, model rockets, all this stuff. So I had many hobbies. That's what we used to say. Um, and I get to college and I'm in, I'm going supposedly for TV and radio, but we didn't, uh, long story, but we didn't have a major. So I was minoring in communications and journalism mm -hmm. and I had to pick something to go with it. And I just, I just picked theater because we could do that. 
And I'm like, well, it'll be good for delivery and presence and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I didn't see myself as an actor or a director or anything. And I wound up, that's what I wound up doing a lot of. And so by the second year, time I was a sophomore and a lot of more people are coming and a guy who had been, who went to another, to a junior college and came to my, to East Central, uh, my good friend, Cody, he kind of brought with him what was then, it was the, it, well, <clears throat> started to date myself there, but okay. It was the 80s and fantasy movies were really as big as anything. Yep. And that's when the original generation, um, I think he had first edition books. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, he's the one that brought D&D. Nice. Yeah. Me. And, every, and it like consumed everybody. And we'd be like, we'd have rehearsals, you know, most of the time. And when we had free time, I wanted to have free time, but if people weren't a rehearsal or it was people that weren't in theater, because a lot of people were like in music and they had rehearsals and blah, you know, people had their stuff and they had all their acti campus activities and stuff. But it was just like after a while, after a month or two, I realized that it's like, what am I chopping liver? It's like everybody wanted to go and game. And my initial reaction was you spend hours and hours and hours doing this, and what do you have to show for it? <laughs> now, I know your character was getting experience points. <laughs> but other than that, like, to me, there was like nothing. And I know we had little, you know, we have our little lead figures and all of that. You had your That's figures, funny. but, and not so much at the beginning. Nobody had them yet, but people eventually got, but it was like, if I'm going to spend that much time, I want a model to show for it, or I want a recording, or I want, yeah, yeah. you know, I want something to show for all that. And it's like the idea that you're going to sit there and just, and the idea that, you know, I instantly started making, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, we're going to start tonight. Are you going to start or are you going to roll up characters for nine hours? You know, <laughs> Fair. all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, uh, but eventually it's like either I'm going to see my friends I, right. I, I finally learned the right. basic rules and came in and I'd said, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. It was like, I'm either going to see my friends or I'm going to be alone when I have free time or go find new friends or something. And that wasn't it because half of them were like roommates. Or, so I did. But the whole like my my way of game of playing of d and d was and we use D&D &D for everything I did. Like people mm -hmm. use Kleenex and Xerox for, you know. Yep. Now we say tissues. Now we say photocopy. But in the day, people Google now. They don't go searching. Right. We're in the, you know, so don't laugh at me about saying Kleenex and Xeroxing. And back then, everything was just D&D. &D. We had a, even had an, a, a, a near 10 years from retirement kind of grand dame of our theater department, uh, Dr. Summers, bless her heart. And after a while, she would go, you boys were up late last night playing cops and robbers. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, no, Dr. Summer. But um, but me, my way of like passive aggressive, I don't passive aggressive, whatever. Um, I would play and I would like studiously like tweak the rules whenever I could. I never DM'd. Mm -hmm. so I would have, so I had this character. I had a elven cleric, which makes no sense. And at one point I'm, you know, like, and when you're basic, you can hardly do anything. You have like one spell or you have like one... And it just was like a joke. And it was like, okay, I have my arrow. I've shot my bow and, and roll and blah, blah, blah. You miss you, whatever. And then the next turn, it's like, okay, well, now I'm going to shoot. And, and DM would say, well, with what? Do you have another arrow? You know, it's like, did you pick up your arrow from when it missed? And I'm like, and at one point that happened. And finally I said, he's like, how many arrows do you have? I said, I have enough arrows. <laughs> so that became the joke. 
<laughs> it was like, yes, I. it was just kind of the eternal, you know, like right. the bag of holding bottomless or whatever. It was like, <laughs> no, I have enough. But anyway, it was like whatever the mob was doing. And I didn't care about I didn't care about action movies. I didn't care about horror movies. I didn't care yeah. about I don't care now about comic book movies. There's there's a point in every modern marvel or if i'm watching one or dc movie and even i have props out to the the first wonder woman because that was awesome in the historical kind of whatever world they were in the alternate you know mm -hmm. thing but there comes a point even in the best superhero marvel or dc movies where it gets the point and i just go it turns into the 15 minute fight right. and i just go oh this is so comic booky and then i go oh, that's because it is a comic book right and this is why I'm not a big and not the comic books themselves and the whole mm -hmm. comic fandom is that way. But this is why I was never comic mm -hmm. books are always too one off. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Star Trek is just as fantastical as anything else, except it's us. I was going to say this a while ago. Even Star Wars is a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. Right. I'm not a literalist, but it took a long time for me to realize part of the appeal for Star Trek to me was they said it over and over again. Every time Kirk would say, think of it, Bones. Napoleon, Hitler, uh, right. you know, Caesar, Napoleon, Hitler, Lee Kwan, Colonel Green, you know, they yeah. would do that past into the future. And you were like, aha, I get it. You know, or they would always it was yeah. us. It was us us through yeah. NASA through here. Yeah. And it wasn't like I was a snob and wouldn't watch a made up world's whatever. But it just that and then just the number sheer number of hours in the world building. So anyway, the the thing about. um. I don't know. Just I, I was never a big fantasy. I never read. I never read any Tolkien. Don't tell anybody. I feel like I have. <laughs> I've lived in the world the last forty years, but I never physically like read any Tolkien. That any world where people are like living in caves and shooting arrows at each other, I go like, why would I want to be part of that world? <laughs> like, yeah, why I would that. I enjoy that? Yeah. Yeah. Friends who were in the mm -hmm. you know what the SCA is? Mm -mm, no. SCA was like the equivalent of Starfleet role. SCA was the Society for Creative Anachronism, and they're the medieval recreationists. Oh, right. The, and yeah. I knew people that like they lived in their they had a persona name. Oh boy. And I knew people that like they just they just used their persona name. There are people to this day that I only knew by their persona name. I couldn't even tell you what their <laughs> real name was. But the whole the and the fighters fought and they had the point system for that, but they you know, the, right. the crafts and the whole medieval and some people did it? Some people only got into it for the fighting. Some people got into it for the partying at the at the um, whatever the week. Not conventions, but they would go out in the middle of the field and put up the tents and have the fighter. You know, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I got can't, yeah. Larry. I got to go to fighter practice. <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> I never had any connection to that world at all. So the whole yeah. fantasy, Tolkien, animated, all of that, I would go and maybe watch a movie occasionally, and people loved, and that's fine. That's yeah. wonderful. That's your thing. I just never understood the appeal of the whole universe. Yeah. Like, why would you want to go backwards a thousand years and live like that when we, you know? Well, you know, to that to that point, and I, I'm pretty sure I, I know you're aware of it because I've heard you. So I got to know. I put a button on this. I got to know D and D so well from the standpoint of like, you know. So now I can wax sentimental about it. I can talk about those days and going out and a couple of times that were there. But I was always like. <laughs> tweaking the rules and right, like so while you guys go over here and fight i'm gonna go explore over here a couple of times right. anyway you know especially when you were like a little a little first level whatever right. second level thing and you couldn't do anything anyway it was just so i don't want to say 
bouncing off the people. Of course, the interaction is half of what it is. Yeah. And this whole industry now of people on camera, everything else is an industry. Yeah. The on camera, I have friends that do it, you know, on camera role playing. Oh, and the fact that all these years, I there was no term. Once again, there was no term. And I just, when computer games came out and, you know, ga- first of all, gaming suddenly was gaming. At work, yep. I would say gaming, and one of the editors would say, gambling? Like, to them, gaming right. was gambling. Yep. And like, we yep. can't do stories about gambling. It's like, no, not gambling, gambling. This is like D&D gaming. And they're like, oh. And they're, or yep. they'd be like, gaming? Like, Monopoly and Risk and Sorry right. and Clue? Right. No, that's board games. This is yeah. character, you know, RPG gaming. Yeah. Eventually, we'd use that. But then, now, the last 10, 15 years, when tabletop... But for years and years and years, I would call that paper and dice gaming. Right. Yeah. As opposed to computer gaming. And that was mm-hmm. my, just like I used to say, you know, before retconning came along, I would call it uh, cannon smoothing and gap filling. Right. Were my terms before the term was invented. But once yep. again, you needed terms for things before the world caught up. So anyway, so, yeah. so okay, now they're tabletop games. But for yep. that, to me, they'll always be that. Anyway, but I know enough about that world, I'd like to say, to be able to dig in and, you know, have fun with it. Anyway. So that's my that's my thing about <laughs> I, I think that's I think that's that's great. And it, I mean, it, it makes it jives. I was just going to say, I know you've, you've mentioned this, so I'm sure you're aware of it. But um, if you haven't ever played Star Trek Adventures, the, the current one out from Odiphius, I have to say um, it's outstanding. It's um, if you've ever played it. All it, kinds it, of kudos for it. I never played it, it specifically, but I've worked with people that work on it. Yeah. OK, good. And got them the Klingon char- star chart from Stellar yep. Cartography. For the Klingon manual and help to facilitate uh, that. Okay, so, awesome. no, it's awesome. And I know, and it's good to see it. Look, it's good to see because there were so many funky things over the year. What last right. unicorn became, yeah, it yeah. became that. Yeah. And then tabletop yeah. paper and dice gaming was not in yeah. vogue for 20 years yep. and came back with a yeah. revengeance. And now STA is light. So, and then STO over here for the computer. Yeah. All yeah, awesome. It's all wonderful. It's all good. Okay. Got to ask you a question. Before, before we wrap up here. So looking to the future, whether it's in a year or who knows how many. Oh my God. If, if you, no, no, this is, this will be an easy, well, I don't know actually, maybe it won't be. <laughs> no, in I didn't this, mean you. I just yeah. meant looking at the future. Right oh, now. okay. As you say, in this, in this three-part question, <laughs> no. Um, it, the, the next Star Trek, whatever we get, I know what I want. I think I do. Whatever we get. So looking you past mean series or movie, you mean something on series. Film. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no, you know what? It, I, I'm not. Let me let me not do that because you're right, because there are like Section 31 is I still think of this as a TV movie or like a miniseries, but we don't call it, it that anymore. Right. Yeah. But Section okay, 31 so, is basically an old school TV movie. It's not right. meant for theaters. It's, it's going to be on streaming. Yeah. OK, so yeah. looking past <laughs> what we know is coming. Section 31, Um. you know, Discovery Season 5. Uh, lower deck season five and hopefully six and seven um prodigy season two and hopefully three and four but but yep. whatever looking farther if if you could call the shots <laughs> exactly <laughs> so larry what what would you most love to see as the next iteration of trek okay so as god is my witness once and for all can we please have i don't care if it's a series that's set up with the legs and the, and the pacing to be a series yeah. or if it's like a, a movie or hopefully would be like at least a series of movies or whatever. Can we please, whatever format, get the Romulan war 
and the founding of the Federation oh. on screen. Can we just finally get that like locked down as to the canon version of that? That's interesting. And whether you get whether you get Scott and some of the Enterprise people hanging over into it a little bit, or you find that they're just talked about like the Enterprise was never talked about during the Dominion War. I mean, you know, whatever you do, can we just do that? And then after that, and I've seen some people actually kind of start to, but I've said this for I've said this for 20 years. I was the guy in the 90s who wanted that. I was the guy who wanted to go back to anything early. And when I heard what Enterprise was going to be, it was like a wet dream and people were pissing on it. You know, oh, Star Trek is supposed to be about moving forward, not going backward. And I'm like, mm-hmm. last time I checked, 2151 is still in the future. You know, <laughs> and and the fact that they didn't get to run their seven years and then maybe they would their their way of leaping onto you know, in the old mode, the, the TV cast that is rewarded with movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, that might have been the Romulan War and then on and whatever. But the fact they didn't get there is is still sad to me. But that whole thing about, you know, Enterprise was a prequel. It's like, you know, when you've got three centuries, it's like it's a franchise, you morons. And and yeah. it's all yeah. unexplored corners. Plus, you've got all the you could have a Klingon series. The other thing is I would so love if it wasn't a series, again, underdogs. And for years I was all on the Andorians and Tellarites. Like, why do we yeah. It gradually became canon that they were the co-founders with Vulcans and humans. Wasn't always right. spelled out that way, but it kind of moved. Tech manual helped move things along that way. Everything, yeah. And then Enterprise brought in the Andorians. That was awesome. So Tellerite, Tellerite love, and it's it's. I would talk to people. Just the we did an, a 250th anniversary of the Trek Files and had Mike McMahon on, and I got to gigging him about right. about uh, Tellerites, and he was like, "Well, I just." I just don't see them. I'm like, how can you create people like look at a thing of Star Trek that hasn't been touched and go, I don't know. It's like, what do you, that should be like the the beacon, the siren here, like screaming, look, I have not been developed. I am fresh. I'm a blank slate for you. You know, Prodigy get- has, has nudged over into the Tellarites a, yes, bit, a Tom, bit. Prodigy has done more. He yeah. said, Mike said was like, well, they've had them on. It's like they've had, they've had the biker Tellarites. They've had like token Tellarites. Right. The way we've right. always had token and Dorian's pop up right. here and there with lines or maybe five lines or something. But yeah, uh, yeah, we actually, I noted this when I did second opinion that week for that uh, episode where they're at the, they're at the base and, and the kids run across the real Janeway the first time. Yeah. Her, her doctor, Noam is a Tellerite, is a, is a tall biker Tellerite. And, and I don't know what Jankum is supposed to be. Now he's out of a sleeper ship from 200 years before the Federation was even a thing. So but he was the short squat runt of yep. the loop, even for Tellarites. But yep. he's got the he's got the three he's got the he's got the cloven hoof fingers, and Noam does. Um, but that was the they had a scene together, and I was like falling off mm-hmm. my chair, going, "Holy! Yeah. This is like a Bechtel test for Tellarites. It's like, look, you've got two Tellarites with lines and yep. characters talking to yep. each other for the first time ever. Yep. So yeah, that was a big thing. But anyway, Mike's like. I, I don't know. I It's like basically he was saying they never looked interesting to me. And I was he didn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. But still. Or let's leave it for we'll have another we'll have a Tellarite lead character. And so, well, there's a Tellarite lead in Prodigy, but it's not it's not geared up to be. Right. You're, you've gotten some glimmers of things from him, but it's mm-hmm. not set up to be, you yeah. know, the way Quark was for Ferengi on DS9 or right. you know, go down the line. Worf right. was for Klingons on TNG or whatever. So yeah. anyway, that's there's. 
but the the rhyme is can we please have a Romulan a definitive yeah, Romulan war fanning the Federation thing? But the other thing I would say is can we do this is so obvious to me. Can we do a midway Archer Kirk? Can we do a midway Kirk Picard? Right. Now that one I really am interested with April and for you know it's it's actually not a hundred years. We've chopped off 20 years because now we've got not only Pike. Mm-hmm. But April mm-hmm. introduced, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not the launching of the Enterprise with April as the first captain. Mm-hmm. That hopefully they will do a flashback at some point on Strange yeah. New, maybe. That would be interesting. But can we get it? Can we get, you know, you've got all kinds of things. What the, what is it? The, um, because in my head canon, Station Salem One is the Pearl Harbor that started the Romulan. It's never been said, it's been thrown out there as a surprise attack. But it's never been tied down to anything. To me, the obvious thing is it should be the surprise attack that launched the Romulan War right. by the Romans. But, but the other one is the um, the Tomed incident, and Picard. They all talk about how the Tomed incident between the Federation and Romulans, and after that, the Romulans like withdrew right for ages. Like, what was that about? And that was that was like twenty three eleven. So that was like twenty years after Kittimer ish. Right. And forty years before Picard was on the Stargazer, and so they that did so much time to go into and get it. They, and like, yeah, the Cardassians. What was the first run oh, in with? Them? Don't even get me started on Cardassia. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. It's twenty four oh three. Please just tell me what became of the Union. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It just give me anything. Where right. are they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say too if, if, they, the brain, if they did I, something. Yeah, Discovery may be playing with the brain this year, so yay. Oh, that would be interesting. I hope so. You've got Breen, you've got Tolarians, you've got Tholians, you've got all, you know, other things that are out there floating around that you could play with. You've got whatever the hell is behind the Romulans and the Clint. And I know STO has has postulated all those things uh, up in the upper ends of the Alpha and Beta toward the Meridian. Mm hmm. The, the crosshairs meridian up yeah there. poor beta quadrant i mean that but, quadrant has been widely actively ignored since the start of canon even though it literally starts here mm-hmm. yeah i would say too if you do because we've seen the introduction of well the the real depth of the vorta i'm a big ds9 guy with jeffrey combs mm-hmm. you saw jeffrey combs as the andorian in enterprise that really fleshed it out i think we need a i need it we need a jeffrey combs tellerite <laughs> in whatever show yeah pillow padding it, maybe but yeah yeah it can't be better than agamus who has to be my favorite jeffrey combs <laughs> character yet brilliant <laughs> you know you know agamus is i said this also it's it's when you see it written out and i think they do it on the closed captions it's written in all caps i just want to know what it's the acronym for Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Oh, see, that's what's going to keep me up tonight. Thanks, <laughs> I mean, seriously, be... like I'm going to go to bed. I know, I know. Jesus, just... it might be a, it might be combos of you know combinations, but no, it's it's written in all caps, so it's like an acronym for something. I can never ever oh. say something to Jason that would blow his mind like you just did. I could just see it. I... <laughs> I, I, don't watch there. With, I don't watch with captions, right? My my daughters love watching too with captions, and I'm like, girls, <laughs> it's like they talk and it moves, but they they like it, and 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 so I never watch. So anytime I have the control of TV, which is rare, I immediately turn off captions. Oh, see, like, I can't I between to. the weird 
accents and things. This. And plus we yeah. watch a lot of British TV and it helps there too. <laughs> but because I remember the first year or two of Next Gen when I was trying to all the place names that aren't, yeah, you know, have right. a weird spelling. If they would come out of I remember uh and I was like making lists of words I didn't know how to spell, whatever. And eventually Richard Arnold would help me with the spellings because I was giving them the thing. But I would have these like spellings based on Patrick's Brit. And it took me a while to realize how off it was from the real thing because that's just the way Patrick. I remember Ang Ankiles fever, but he says like Ankiles or something or Ang. Anyway, it was like a completely misspelled thing because of his accent, much less when we have Klingons and Ferengi saying things and weird, you know, it's an alien word. So who knows? It's spelled the way the writer spelled it. And half the time, if they use it more than once, three episodes apart, it's spelled differently the second time. So anyway, but no, I, I, we watch with captions. I know sometimes it gets in the way. And if it's really obnoxious, like on a trek and I'm trying to read a graphic and the captions covering it up, I'll turn it off to read the graphic, but I'm really bad. I will. I, I know theoretically you should like watch an episode straight through to get the full impact, but I can't, I just go bonkers if I, you know, it's it starts with what did he say or what did they say, but then it turns into wait, you know, like redo that again. I'm like I didn't hear it, but then sometimes I want to go wait, what? Or I'll pause and go look something up. Like, have we had this before? Does this rings a bell, or am I thinking adjacent? And thirty, uh -huh. you know, three fourths of the time it has it is from something and not something immediate, but like some way back throwback reference. So typical I'm episode. A, so I'm a stop start watcher. Like I, for I good reason, because yeah. I'm like, and oh. it's fine. Now, what I'll do then is maybe watch it a second time all the way through. Then, That's okay, sick. okay. But Jason I can't and I are the opposite. He and I will watch it first, and then we tear it apart. And yeah. and not in a bad way, but then we'll yeah. like with one of the episodes when we're looking at the map. He and I are you know taking pictures of the screen with the yeah. Federation map and yeah, yeah, yeah. zooming it in oh. with its granularity. Well, Oh, oh, kudos to them, the writers, and Tim Peel on everything but oh, Picard, my God. and, and yes. then um, Andrew Jarvis on Picard. They, yes. you know, John Van Sitters and the bunch sent the the out of the box when things were all chaotic, but they got them some licensing material, and they got them stellar cartography, and that's one thing from day one that they've used. It put it in their graphic style through all the series. So cool. And yep. it's been great. And and we kind of stay in. Hopefully someday we get to update, you know, the, the stellar cartography itself. But oh, I hope so. Tim is trying to date it. So when you see those, especially on Strange New Worlds, and those really just mm -hmm. out there in your face, bold, here we are. We're not like hedging anything. Star maps. They're adding on. And um, every once in a while, they, they get the scale off. Like they think they're closer to the galactic rim than they are. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah. But um but no, it's awesome. It's, you know, oh. it's great to see them laying that down in Picard. There's a couple of question marks I have to nail down just to know, but they, to start off the Picard season three, that was it the, what's the first place they go to? And that's where they find Beverly and, and Jack in their little medical. Oh show. God, I can see They're it. Right hand or something like that. Yeah. 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 That was, that was prefix. Jeff internally, Jeff helped them figure out where they want what they said we want something up here so here's and they came up with the name but it's like here it is located and there's actually some charts you may not see them on camera but there's actually charts where so at least the odyssey starts has a starting place 
I, you know, we started talking about Mavs. Well, we started talking off air about floppy disks, but then we got to maps. I have spent so much time looking at those maps that, oh, like, yeah. like Tim Peel and the others after the show came out that they that you could finally get a copy in high res. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, glorious and informative. I, I so want more of those. Well, even with Discovery, when we were when we were now thrust into the future, you and I have been. Trying to you know, zoom into the one image of the three-dimensional galactic map, like, oh my yeah. god, look at what's there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, Larry, phenomenal. we have kept you much longer than we thought. And if you don't mind, we'd like to have you back because I think we've probably hit about five percent of what we would love to talk about <laughs> yes. with you. Part of that's you know, and if we do it, um, then I'll uh maybe we should talk for 30 minutes and then get like before we start recording. <laughs> I'm worn down because I told you, I said, you guys are the worst thing to be my, my host. We'll just be off for seven hours. Oh, it's yeah. been great, Larry. Are you this kidding? is, this has been fantastic. We took a couple of weird little tornado turns there. Yeah. My that fault. That was awesome. I, that was my fault. I just, I, I was a weather nerd growing up. And so when I heard Norman and I read Norman, I'm like, I'm going to ask him. Okay. No matter how off the beaten path we've been, I'm going to ask anyway. I know you're in L.A. now. When, but... when you laid that down about Norman, I'm like, are we going to veer off into the Sooners in college football here? How is this going to go? But it's fine. It's all good. No, we're not. We, we don't really talk about sports. Jason has the go sports hat. hat. You know, he's not a big yes. sports I'm guy. I'm super and... excited because my, my team did a thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but but we'd love to have you back. Thank you so football much. Football for... is my only weakness. The rest of the year, I'm not. I'm, oh, you know, funny. Only because I grew up in Norman and I have the yeah. Cowboys down the road and oh yeah, pro side and, and oh you right there. So yeah, I'm a Packers fan. So I when I talk Packers Cowboys, that's a touchy subject. I think now <laughs> and it, this recently it is now for Cowboys fans. And you know what? I I 10, 15 years ago with Dallas kind of blah blah blahing along, but OU was almost never letting me down. And it's like I ha I can't take the emotional strain <laughs> and wiping out an entire weekend in the fall. So I stuck with the Sooners and I would like kind of keep and I have this thing of if I start to follow Dallas again. It's I'll, I'll be like, I'll have the fair weather. I hate fair weather fans and I never wanted to be. It's like, no, by God, if I'm here, I'm watching this sucker till the end. I am not getting up in the third quarter and leaving, whether I'm physical or watching. On, it's like, nope, I'm can half the time with OU. They pull it out in the end anyway. Something wacky happens. That stopped happening with Dallas in the 90s. Yeah, after Aikman retired in 96. I've I never think. been happy with Jimmy Johns or Jimmy. Um, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. I never, I didn't like the way he fired Tom Landry. I didn't like the way he came in. So Mr. Arrogant Oil, you know, slimed out from under an oil rock and took over the team. I've never liked his heavy handedness. And I almost feel like the last 30 years has been kind of like, you know, the karma of the original thing. It's I a reap what you sow with him, I think is his problem. And with, and with the recent Packers win over them. Yes, um, yes. It just, you could tell that he was just and disheartened, but again please come back that was my fault anyway no no okay. no, no, no. i bet you i'll jump on the sports thing i'm almost a hockey i'm also a hockey fan but um interest but anyway yeah no, no. please please if we ask you to come back please consider it because we would love to talk more. oh my god we've hey. been on so little that we would thank love you to so talk much about, larry yet so much it's been fun it's been so. fun again you guys like you're a gaming podcast what do you want with me no, i'll no, tell no. you that story we, we, i told you and then we had a meteorologist on. We had a, a meteorologist who dressed, we, who dresses and did, does Federation weather. Uh, oh, she's so good. She's Katie she's Nicolau. just lovely. Oh, it's it's um Katie Katie Nicholas. Yeah, you've seen it. Yeah. Yes. yes. No, I knew her. I got to. We finally met at the Picard premiere, and then she oh. was 
awesome. Awkward. Yes. So yeah. scary. And she's yeah. back. I think guess yeah. good is good. Thank God. That was amazing. Yeah. She told me a couple of days. Like I saw a week later. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. So she's she's been on. We've yeah. had writers on. It started kind of as gaming, but we've morphed it into. And at some point, maybe we, with the name is stuck just because we started with it and we bought the logo. But um, we really talk more about like creatives and things like this. And we yeah. get to talk to people like you that normally we would never right. have an opportunity yeah, to good. do. You know what? I will. Do, we'll do another one. And I totally didn't tell you my Star Trek crossover that actually is Star Trek gaming crossover before there was any star trek gaming crossover oh phenomenal okay after after that whole thing well okay if you're going to twist my if i'm if the only way i'm going to see you guys is to sit down here and D with you then i will a few years after that point i'll i'll tell you about that awesome. oh that's awesome we'll hold you to it thank okay. you so much for the time <laughs> well thanks for having me again and hey i invite everybody to check out everything at trekland and all the stuff i you may be going to rattle that off but absolutely uh, yeah. yeah, we'll have it in the show notes. Yep, all the and links everything too. so people can check it out cuz oh, yeah. it's if you if if you're a Trek fan and you haven't seen it then Oh my god, I don't know how you You are you are yeah. well, there's, seriously Well, there's the stuff that's out front but like Portal 47 is a paid is my main right. base. And that's backstage behind the scenes people like you said exclusively. Mm -hmm. Again, only because the actors are always going to get attention. People are always going to know them. Yep. And it all goes back to it crystallized for me when I saw that's why I started talking about Starland in Denver. Went there. Frakes is on stage during Next Gen. And I remember this so distinctly. People would say, some, 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 some. And he'd say, you know, Q&A. And he'd say, you know what? That's a Herman Zimmerman question. Or he'd say, you know what? That's a Dan Curry question. You know what? That's yeah. a Michael Westmore question. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the audience going, then why aren't they on the stage? Mm -hmm. But I knew that if you had TechCon, there'd be 15 people show up and it would go broke and it'd never happen again. Mm -hmm. Again, you know. But anyway, that's yeah. that's kind of the roots of my the backstage folks, not only never getting the attention, but they're going to know seven eighths of what it is about the show yeah. you loved and let us blow your mind about what it almost was. You know? I don't care so much about seeing the cast, but you tell me that Terry Metalis just sat down for an hour and a half to talk about the process and I will watch that start to finish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly, which I'm, I'm overdue to sit down with Terry. Anyway, but I know we got to go. But anyway, yes, we might have a little bit of stuff left for a second visit sometime down the road. All right, we'll count on it. Thank you so much, Larry. Okay. Okay, guys, thanks again. Well, I mean, we only probably hit on, I, I think I joked maybe 15, probably more like 10% of what we really – could have talked about talking to Larry oh. is like a data dump of Trek in the most positive sense. Oh yeah. I don't know how you. anyone possesses that much knowledge on it. And I really like the fact that, you know, he kind of went back to the beginning and we could kind of hear his mm -hmm. growth. Yeah. That was, really you cool. know, into, um, into where he's at now yeah. with his, with his podcast and mm -hmm. with his other engagements mm -hmm. online and so on. And he is such an engaging guy. You do. Mm. You obviously were an audio only podcast, but you could just see when he was, when he was talking Trek. I mean, it <laughs> yes. was, it was He's literally, so we were all it. smiling during it. It yeah. was just, it was one of those things where it was like a warm, fuzzy conversation. Yeah. Know? It, it, it really was. It, 
It was. And, and like, there are so many things, Brad, that we didn't even touch on because there was just so much he could share. We, I mean, we, we asked him about his background, early background, because I mean, we always do, right? We want to know the people, we want to know their context. He's talked and written a little bit about that here and there, but he really got into it. And then, like you said, he caught us up. But, yeah. you know, we we didn't really get into Portal 47 at all. No. We didn't get into the ton of stuff he does on YouTube. Like, literally, he is the only thing I watch on YouTube. I just I'm I'm not a YouTuber, if you will, right? I, I don't. Well, like other than the media. little cat videos you watch. Oh, but... okay, that's true. Actually, Simon's cat. I come back and forth absolutely half for years. Those are great. Yeah, but but like every week I tune in because, I mean, he just has such interesting episodes of his Trekland Tuesdays. I just like the again. I like the data dump, the discussion, his perspective. But what really gets me is, I mean, I've gone to school on and off for a long time. How does one become Dr. Trek? I I wanted to ask him if it didn't fit. It will save it for the next time we talk to him. But like, I want this degree. I want this. I was just going to say you, I, I was going to say you, he's one up to you in terms of being able to be called Dr. Trek. I, now that being I said, I want a degree in Treknology. You do have a different doctor designation from our time in college, but we won't These mention things that here. Go unspoken. Yeah, we won't. We won't talk about that during this episode we, you or, or any you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't mark that explicit enough um and even though but, you're in florida yeah i will find you you will find <laughs> me yeah um you know i you know i threw that curveball with him just because in norman it's the storm prediction center and all that and oh you um, got him going that was yeah. that was fun yeah and then talking about the phones and all, i mean just it's it's talking of an era where it was crossing into our era and um, a lot of kids don't understand rotor read phones, dial phones. They no. absolutely have never heard of a party line. Um, no, they and wouldn't. You, I mean, let's be honest. I think I mentioned this. Most kids haven't ever heard a dial tone. I oh no, no way. I mean, Larry, Larry's got fifteen years on us, right? Yeah. And so, so like everything he brought up, we were familiar with, either directly or in passing. But yeah. but then his ability to bridge that gap. To yeah. today i mean that was just that was just fun yeah it was it was really well done and and thank you again larry and he was gracious enough to at least say with us that he would visit us again well um, as he said i mean we didn't really even get into his dnd experience and some other stuff and he's got it we just went off in a different direction this time yeah Let's hop in the car and head to Audubon Court Books. And to be honest with you, now that I said it that way, that, that's we need exactly. A car, I yeah. think we need a car sound as before we start it. So there's an that's an interesting yeah. like, zoom 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 but zoom type of but thing. But that's exactly what we would do. We would yeah. hop in the car and we'd yep. head to Audubon Court Books. I usually drive up to your spot, yep, where you were living, and yep. then we'd we, either I drove or you drove, and then we yep. drive up along Lake Drive, Lake Michigan, Lakeshore Drive. Yep. Yeah, uh, love that at up night. Audubon Court. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for me, obviously, I left um, a lot of my library behind when um, I drove down here. I drove down versus fly, fly versus flying, so I was yep. was able to carry stuff that you normally just can't carry on a plane. Um, 
So I have, you know, since uh, Modifius, Green Ronin, some of these other companies, um, Free League or Free Elegan, um, provide PDFs of the books as you order them. Yeah. Um, I can read them on my computer or on my tablet. Right. And um, it just based off of some of the conversations we had. Obviously, um, one of the things I've been fascinated by is Mark Miller's um, Magnum Opus, the Traveler Five series, and I, yeah. um, I'm I'm excited when I come home because I have a couple of the extended books that I picked up from Drive Through RPG that arrive after I left. Um, but I've been kind of paging through that online um, mm-hmm. just because it's a, it's literally um, a brain dump of Traveler going Look, back to its beginnings. Our listeners know you have been on a Traveler kick for yeah. a while and for good reason but um i also thanks to our friend troy green ronin what i've wow. really when i have had time here yeah to read um it's been fantasy h2 just did, because did you bring your copy i i'm using the pdf for oh, okay yeah um because i forgot to i had a couple books um on my um little ottoman footstool and you left him um, there and i left him there so and i didn't realize it until i was about two hours into my drive past chicago too far so oh no way um Mm -mm. you know it it doesn't work and but i will say i know at autobahn court i'm gonna bring this up just because it's it's kind of fascinating i don't know if you've ever heard of bucky's before it's a travel stop it Uh, is the it is right now there are two in georgia and they're no. building one in the Wisconsin Dells. So next time you come down, you'd have the opportunity to stop if you wanted. Okay. Put 150 to 200 gas pumps at a truck stop. And I'm not kidding. You. Okay. And then a large store that has all sorts of their branded type of, of foodstuffs and so on. Like I picked up, um, they're known for their beef jerky. Okay. Um, so picked up some of that. I got a big coffee for them. So I know this is an open court, but for those that listen, um, anytime I'm down here and I said, I, I stopped at my first Bucky's there. Everyone's like, Oh, it's, it's like, it, it's kind of like wall drug now, you know, yeah, people right. go out okay. and drive out and they stop yeah. at wall drug. Yeah. Well, now it's, it's Bucky's and they started in Texas and they are known for having the cleanest bathrooms Oh, any stop ever. And I can tell you, um, it's saying something and it was absolutely true. Um, wow. So when they do open the one in the Dells, um, you know, you'll have to stop on when you're, that's going to be our midway stop when necessary. Yeah. Midway stop. And, um, yeah. And literally I got off the exit and I'm like, well, there's the store. And it literally is, there's a ring around the whole thing with gas pumps. Wow. Um, I guess I have to see it. Yeah, I if you look it up, I'll send you a link to it so you can see it's it's just fascinating. I know it's not a read, but it was an experience, and I did it probably around eight in the morning um, when I was driving through Georgia. There's two in Georgia going down I-75, and I hit the one that was closer to the Florida Georgia line, not the not the country group. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other thing I'll say is, as soon as I hit the Florida Georgia line, it was like 64 degrees out. Okay. I opened my sunroof. I opened my window. 
and I'm cruising along and I saw Florida plates kind of giving me a look because they're like, <laughs> what kind of nutball yeah. has their, I mean, it's, it's the depth of winter. Well, and here's the funny <laughs> thing is, is that even now, and then I'm going to ask what you've been working on at the, at the store. Um, mm. I have been down here since Sunday and we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, this intro outro, I have, acclimated to the point where if I walk outside and it's 63 degrees, I have to put pants on and oh, wear a no. light jacket. Oh, no. So, and, and again, it, you know, I've lived here, um, but I haven't lived here in ages. I haven't been down here in about a year and a half. Mm. It's not like, but I know that my body acclimates quickly um, to living <laughs> down hilarious. here. And even, yeah, even I was sitting in the family room and um i'm like wow i'm i'm too cold i gotta put you know instead of shorts um i'm gonna have to switch to like running pants so it's just funny how you acclimate being down here and for those that for those that i'm about an hour north of okay Orlando. i'm sorry so, i have to just i have to just pose this non sequitur okay i i oh boy i was oh boy. going to make a comment how all of your fascination with the truck stop reminds yeah. me of the movie airplane, but I'm going <laughs> to gloss over that because you had to put on running pants. Did you buy those by accident? Okay. Wait a second. I call them running pants. I don't know what else to call them. They're just, um, you know, they're like <laughs> cotton no, no. pants. So yeah, God. Yeah. Uh -oh. I just got to go running. Yeah, that that doesn't make me they feel any less. They are not. They aren't like traditional sweatpants right. or running pants. I don't know how to. No, no, just them. keep They're digging. Just, just keep yeah. digging. <laughs> okay. So, so, Doctor A, um, <laughs> what is what is um, what have you got at the counter or at the table? Well, so, uh, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring up any books this time. Mm. Um, it is mid almost just about mid February as this episode releases and uh i have been looking forward and so as we as we drop this we're amidst these two things um i've been looking forward to television in february now there's there's no new trek uh mm -hmm. and there there won't be um uh unless an update came out before this episode drops there there won't be any new trek uh until april when discovery season 5 the fifth and final season releases however two things that i do rather enjoy uh are are out or coming out this month february uh one is the final season of star wars bad batch yep uh i I never got into the Clone Wars. I've seen some of it. Uh, I never got into it. I I don't care for the uh, animation. I'm particular about my animation. That said, I've really enjoyed the story of the Bad Batch. I, I it's an excellent Star Wars story, and um and I will say the trailer uh had looked really good. So uh, uh as we record this, I'm looking forward to, and as this drops, I am undoubtedly enjoying. Uh, the Bad Batch, which I that just came out, and then I'm also looking forward to season two of Halo. Uh, I I've, saw that. I have not yeah. watched season one, it, so, and it sounds like if you're going to watch season two, you must have. It sounds like one. you have to. Yeah. Um, I've never played the game. Right. Uh, in fact, I think I 
asked you or you and the other the rest of the guys a couple of years ago when it came or a few years ago already when it came out like what's what's the deal um i really enjoyed the first season it 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 can be a little melodramatic um but i'm ignoring what you sent me uh, oh that's right okay brad just sent me um just sent me a message in zoom regarding his feelings about a former employer okay <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I really liked it. I will say there was one I didn't like where part of the plot went in terms of relationships in season yeah. one. And there was an unnecessary uh, naked woman side shot, which was oh, clearly just put there. Was It was, you know, I don't like sex in my sci-fi. Um, and I, I really did enjoy this. And so the second season is coming out this February and I'm, I'm really glad it is. It's just, it's a really, um, I was going to say it's brain dead, but it's not, they've done something rather clever with the story. So there's like, there's enough there. Uh, and it's just done very well. I just, um, you know, like you and I've talked about things like, uh, like Android and uh and like brian and i used to play mech warrior stuff yeah. like that so i yeah i would recommend it so those that's what's on my what that's, that's funny what's i'll have on to put table. that i'll have to put yeah. that on my list because i haven't i haven't watched season one um but i'm really far behind on a lot of shows so yeah. but i'm gonna have to put it on my list i wouldn't say it's like a, a top one but um but i would i would add it brett i would i would add it um one or two a night would be plenty all right, everybody. As always, it's good to talk with you. Larry, thank you again so much. It was such a privilege to chat with you. We hope we can do it again. Meanwhile, uh, we shall continue watching and listening and hopefully purchasing all the things you're putting out. Nudge, nudge, new book. All right, everyone. You know the deal. Be well. Stay well. We will see you in a couple of weeks.